Support for the Laser Time Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Better yet, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with your code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And welcome to episode 415, that's 415 of Vidge Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparis, coming to you from the Scuzz Micklefee Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. You want to get in on this uh, studio naming action? Go to patreon.com slash laser time, contribute at the $20 level, and someone remind Chris to find a patron before we start the show. <laughs> anyway, who's joining me? Uh, the ever-fungible Chris Ancista. <laughs> and... Ack, I almost just stepped in a hella big pile of human feces, Matthew Allen. Nasty, and special guest. Hey, I said a bunch of stuff before Michael hit go that uh, will not make the air. Yeah. No. It's Tony Wilson, hello. Tony Trust Wilson. us though, it was golden. Thank no you for joining us. <laughs> it was very golden. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Chain Gun Pope. Hey, that's me, that's my Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah a framework. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the YouTube channel I run, Framework. It's oh. a bunch of video essays about games. Uh, where I try to find a cool, clever angle that people aren't talking about, and l- let me just say, tune in to the next video, which will be on Wednesday, uh, April 21st. Uh, I'm not exaggerating here. I have Googled this. Literally nobody has ever done the thing that I'm doing on Wednesday. Nobody has made this kind of video yet. Awesome. Wow. So if I, wa- I I Google searched, like, every SEO thing. Nobody has, like, ha- had this angle on this particular game that I'm covering. It might be illegal. We don't know. We, we don't know that. <laughs> so if, if I wanted to see this video, I would search for Framework Tony Wilson? You could do that. Easiest way to do it is tinyurl.com slash frameworkyt. Ah, clever. Very mm-hmm. clever. We've got Thank a you. fun show. We are going to be talking about a town near and dear to most of our hearts. I don't know. Yeah. San Francisco. And <laughs> specifically... <laughs> Games that recreate it. Because 415 is the area code code. for San Francisco, and Diana suggested it, so... uh, You're going to really piss off all the 650 people. I'm just just We're never getting there. We're never getting there. Yeah, we're never going to (laughs) celebrate South San Francisco. Get the fuck out of here. Daily City. (laughs) You're lucky you appeared in one Planet of the Apes movie. (laughs) (laughs) South San Francisco. What's What's the East Bay area code? Uh, duh. There's got to be a couple, right? I don't know. 510, mm-hmm. by the way, is the East Bay. We might get uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, but uh, 415 is enough. Uh, yeah, uh, probably the coolest city I've ever lived in. And it's it's always cooler than just, Tallahassee? Shut the hell up, man. I'd like, <laughs> look, I didn't have a lot of choices uh, in my predicament. But you might be able to <laughs> spill your drink on an alleged uh, sex trafficker there. 
Oh yeah, Mac. Oh, I thought I, was, I thought you were talking about the Beastmaster. No, he's the he's the local celebrity. The Beastmaster didn't didn't molest anyone, as far as I know. But uh, Matt well, Gates, the Beastmaster. Matt Gates. Jokes someone, on you. Uh, the well, people, who, the girls he's with, can't be anywhere where they're serving alcohol anyway. Bazinga. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a there's a little threat going on with uh, bartender friends in the area telling terrible stories about this guy and finding it easy to believe all of it. I am starting. You're telling off. me. A guy who basically cosplays Butthead everywhere he goes. That was just what I was going to say. Done some despicable things. If someone could Photoshop Matt Gates in as the baby between Beavis and Butthead, uh, he, he looks just like both of them. I saw a good description of him today that said, like, yeah, he looks like, I think it was like, if Spock and Butthead had a love child made out of, this is my favorite part, haunted plastic, it would be Matt Gates. <laughs> That's a very haunted last week plastic. tonight kind of line right there. I like it. So I'm I'm nearing my 20 year anniversary of moving to the Bay Area, and uh, yeah, I've been wow. here a while. I've seen some terrible things. Been a while. I I have seen a rat crushed into asphalt like a Victorian pressed leaf. I have seen tire marks over on a sidewalk that clearly ran through a human turd, and then uh, spread it further on down the sidewalk and into the street. I watched and, uh, a, a man ride two homeless dicks um, in in an, under an awning. Like this guy was astonishing. I didn't know it was that easy for guys to get to be on top. Simultaneously, like he, he was revolving between the two. No, oh, no, wow. no. He, he didn't go. He didn't go for the dogs in the bathtub. But he uh, okay, like a spit roast. Yeah, or like a, like someone with one hand driving a tank. Um, that's mm, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very nice. This is not d- disparaging or making light of the situation. Part of the reason I ended up getting disgusted with San Francisco because it is the most opulent, rich city I've ever been in in America, but has a below third world standard homeless problem that it doesn't seem to want to help with in any single way. And uh, yes, I'm giving them shit over that. I feel like a lot of comments I've made in the past will make me look like a uh, like I don't care. It was just like, but but being among that, like being pushed around by people who desperately need help, but manifest as aggressive tendencies or hungry or kicking needles out of my way and dodging human shit on my street. And it, this costs so much to live here. Where is all this money fucking going? I uh, I had much I had a much briefer time there than than uh, the, the rest of you gentlemen. I uh, yeah. I was there primarily for an internship in summer 2014, which is, you know, seven years ago now, but feels like it just happened, which is, like, bizarre. Like, that was, I was, you know, I I made one or two stops at, like, first wave laser time (laughs) during that time. Like, that's crazy to think about. But I was there still long enough to have, you know, some stories of my own. Uh, And one of them, I I cannot repeat the phrase I was called, uh, because it contains uh, every word that will get me canceled. But, um... Sure. uh, this This was a pawn just, like, Trying to go visit the neighborhood that my grandmother lived in once upon a time. You know, get a photo of the the building maybe that she lived in to, to bring back to her. Uh, and yeah, yeah, be, being called a string of things. Like I said, I, I I literally don't think I can actually say a single one of them on a podcast. And yet, despite mm. all of this, uh, we still leave it because it is still <laughs> a captivating city that yeah. I think is one of the reasons it is the subject of so much pop culture, in particular yeah. video games. There's a lot mm-hmm. of features to the city There's a lot that of lend to themselves really well the to air. video games. Yeah, a lot of things. In, uh, iconic uh, topography. In yes. my college uh, film school courses, I was writing a screenplay set there. Like, 
it, it's very much it has that allure for sure like even even if you're aware of the reality of it it's there's still there is still something about it there's something yeah. about it well, well, but even like geographically, there are features to the city that make for good video yeah. games. First of mm-hmm. all, it's only, it's a very small city geographically. It's only seven by seven, seven miles by seven miles, roughly. Um, and so that's way smaller than most like cities, it's but the there's a lot I, that they I, pack in there, you know, and there's the a lot of different mass. environments. I think it's the same mm-hmm. landmass as Manhattan. It's obviously not dimensionally it, the it's, same. It's like 49 square miles, like 7 by yeah, 7. It's 7 I by 7 miles. Yeah. It's a very yeah. small area. Its population tends to diminish a lot at night because, you know... Mm. A lot of people are just here to work during the day, and uh, but also like a lot of video games have, it has biomes, quote unquote. Kinda, like the, yeah. the, the the different neighborhoods Every neighborhood are very has different. Has a distinct feel, and I remember yep. uh, one yeah. of the first times that I visited as an adult, like when I was planning to move down here, like I was at a bar in North Beach drinking with my uncle who who lives here and he's like well what do you think of the city so far and it's like oh it seems very friendly he's like it'll be interesting to see how your perception evolves there (laughs) right you are you are in a very friendly italian section of uh, san francisco (laughs) come on come on down to the meatpacking district my soma area i'd like you to introduce to three guys who love meth i mean the the one of the last times i was there i remember uh, some guy chased me into your apartment building screaming the n-word at the top of his lungs <laughs> so that will happen that was fun yeah <laughs> north beach is one of the only areas i think in the world that still celebrates columbus day to the point where like streets are shut down because yeah. like it's like no that's a big deal in yeah. north beach in san francisco a, a man chasing you screaming the n-word it could be somebody out of their mind or it could be what's his face that state senator from who is america uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right. the word so is noonies training this is an ugly word um <laughs> i uh i lived it's, uh, it's for my time there uh i lived in uh excelsior uh down there in the you know so the southern portion um mm-hmm. largely okay. uh largely filipino and hispanic um you know it was Honestly, refreshing, uh, especially at that time, coming from a very white suburban area, where you know where my family was at the time, to to actually just live among different people from myself. Um, I lived in a, a duplex with a total of, I believe there were eleven of us. Wow, uh, wow. living there, yeah, like uh, it split roughly, you know, I think it was five or six between the two levels. Um, but uh, I, I, in my mind, I always called that house the UN. Because uh, literally, no one in that house was ethnically of the same background, which was oh, cool. kind of awesome. Like, like literally, no one was from the same place, um, and that that just made for like a really cool, like, just collection of people. You're always. Uh, I think together. that's reflective of the city. It is actually Absolutely. very. Uh, it can be a very diverse city. I know. I know. Chris has <laughs> talked about this on the shows before, where like. People tend to go in their little pockets and clicks and insulate themselves from that diversity. But in a lot of ways, that diversity does show up actually even in the architecture of the city itself, yeah. the different neighborhoods. Um, the other thing we're leaving out, it's a city built on a lot of hills. So it's yes. awesome for car it's, chases. It's awesome, it, but it's, it's more when you want to destroy something, you have iconic bridges. It's great to drive. Yep. I, like, like not uh, many other cities have a an archaic prison just floating in the middle of the water <laughs> that yeah. the whole world is aware yeah. of that, that, that leads to many action or, uh, or tense situations in games. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really great place because it, because it's so small and because the, the things that are super iconic uh, have been filmed here. People have seen a lot of it, whether they know it or not. 
A lot more than a mm-hmm. New York, I would bet. Yeah, as as the New Yorker on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you can never tell when a New York interior is like a real interior or a set, whereas like, you know, if you're out do- things that are shot outdoors in San Francisco, it really, you can tell within seconds. Yeah, and you, you it, don't mm-hmm. fake exterior San Francisco. Yeah, so if you, it, it, movies like Vertigo and uh, Star Trek Four Sneakers, uh, hello. I love Sneakers, <laughs> Sneakers is great. Godzilla 2014, uh, which, man, that was hilariously so not San Francisco. It was wonderful. Like, <laughs> like just San Francouver. Hey, someone, five like 500 bucks who's been in a BART station, like, to design any of this. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a city with a little bit of everything, and video games take advantage of that. You got beaches. You got, you know, bridges like Chris talked about, like famous historical, you know, landmarks. You got earthquakes. You got the hills. You got wine country not far away. You got tech country down south. It's like, yeah, and and one of these games in particular, I know, actually kind of does a good reflection of all of those different elements mm-hmm. in a pretty yep. good way, so. All right. It's neat. San Francisco's neat. So it's hella neat. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> if you don't live here, you probably hate it, or maybe it not. Is, um, it is uh, what we say here, totes hyphy. You. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people have said that for 15 years. No, Perhaps the strongest impression it left on me is I do hella has been part of my vocabulary. I, I, I can't get it out. Constantly yeah. since, yeah. No. Well, it does creep up useful. on you. It's such a useful yeah. term. It's incredible. It's As a SoCal, my hatred for that term um, still burns pretty bright and strong. Got and then when I catch myself not. using Would it, I'm like, Would you say it hella burns? It. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it burns hella strong though. My girl swoons when I walk in the door every morning. I'm like, I am hella horny, man. What's going on? <laughs> hella works with everything. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's not let's not rehash an old South Park episode. Uh, we will get into top five digital recreations of San Francisco right after this. Oh, Chris. Oh, Matt. People might not know this about us, but we are two hairy, ape-like human beings. We just got a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Antista, listen to that name. I am a little baby gorilla. And that means we've especially got a lot of hair down there. But they also don't know. I personally love a freshly shorn scrotum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge proponent of manscaping, and there is no reason not to do it. It is wonderfully hygienic. You can get way more days out of your underwear. Your partner will thank you. And once again, if you can trim back the tree line, it makes it look like you own more property. Well, sure. But here's the thing. It can be kind of a harrowing experience trimming the hair down there. There's bobs and bits and just there's too much that could go wrong, leading to some unsightly nicks or even a medical emergency. Many a time I thought I had things under control when they quickly headed south while I was trimming down south. And let me tell you, Chris... (laughs) It hurts! It not only hurts, not to be indelicate, but blood doesn't clot on some of those malleable pieces of flesh very well. It just keeps bleeding. That's why I was so excited when our latest sponsor, Manscaped, reached out to us. In fact, I was downright giddy. You see me wearing the Manscaped shirt right now. I'm like a walking Mm -hmm. billboard for Manscaped. But I would be even if I took this shirt off, because I recently did a little manscaping of my own using their patented Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created with the Lawnmower 3.0. That's way more than Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule to become an expert. These guys are like savants of ball trimming, Chris. <laughs> yes. I have tried every technique. I've been manscaping for 20 years. 
the best thing I've been able to come up with before Manscaped, before a tool expressly crafted uh, for you know trimming back the nether regions, was either a lighter or a <laughs> razor that had been so dulled it would cut me less. So I would use a razor on my face for like five months just to get it dull enough to not cut my genitals in half. It, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm, I've been dying for this product for a long time. That is going to just put you in a bad place. But Manscapes, their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. None of that dull blade lighter business you're talking about. I don't even know what you're doing there. That, that sounds dangerous. That was mostly for the chest hair, but like Manscaped, yeah, dude, you can use this on your chest hair too. Sure. By the way, when I tell you this is a premium trimmer, I mean premium. The battery life can last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. That is a lot of bushwhacking a 90 minute shave session yeah that is like a like a george the animal steel level of <laughs> manscapery but but it should never take any of us that long and I, i'm telling you they probably tested it on hairy people like me well chris they have waterproof technology that even <gasps> allows you to groom in the shower forget shower wow. beers we're all about them shower balls, baby. Now, my girl likes to watch me do this in the rain. It's a really weird <laughs> fetish of hers. <laughs> One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. I mean, we all need as much light as we can get when trimming the hair down there. That is not something you want to do blindly. Trust me on that one. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. And let's not forget about the charging stand, Chris. You got to show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. That's right. USB. You can literally plug this bad boy in at your computer workstation. Go wow. to town on your lunch break. Now, look, I'm not saying do this when we're all back in the office. This is definitely kind of a work-from-home-only situation. But who's going to know? Sometimes for me, it's like a cutting the goatee on a basset hound. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be lifted up first. This is a <laughs> private endeavor. If you're listening to Chris and I talk about this right now, we want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we're back to talk about what? We left our heart. Don't leave me hanging here, gentlemen. Just say it with me. In San Francisco. Funny how you assume we all know this song. It's like a super famous song. He's got a statue in the city. Tony Knowing Bennett. the song is not the same as being able to sing the song. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm well aware of the song. I know of the song. I couldn't tell you yes. how it goes. <laughs> Could I sing it? No. <laughs> it's Tony Bennett. You just sort of make it up and, like, uh, mm -hmm. 19 guys with trombones in the background make it sound real good. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of half talk. Yeah, you half talk when you're saying the, the lines. So like I've probably band. seen more yes. of Alec Baldwin as Tony Bennett singing than I've seen Tony Bennett singing. God, him on the 40th edition. <laughs> Who was that man? And. Uh, Huckleberry Finn, Jim, I think his name was. Great, great man. That nose they give him every time. <laughs> <laughs> he was holding the buzzer of Jeopardy like a microphone. It was so great. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's get into this. Number five. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Cut it. That's Cut all it. I need to get play. flagged. That's all I We're need to get flagged. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright strike. What is Woo! it? What is it? Boy, if that's the thing that gets us, I'll be pissed. That is, um, uh... th- this is uh, the craziest of taxis. Yeah. Well, with music by that... the Offspring. Yeah, music by the Offspring. The original Crazy Taxi. Please, uh, mm-hmm. let's let the announcer tell us about it. Hey, 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 it's time to get crazy. That's right. We got crazy cool music and crazy cool driving when you push the start button. So come on, let's go. Crazy Taxi. Yeah. I guess it uh, was crazy cool music, all four tracks of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what, two tracks by The Offspring, two tracks Bad by Religion. Bad Religion. I think there was yeah. maybe an additional Offspring track that played over the credits. Yeah, the console I think they, version. Added, they, they added more uh, yeah. throughout the years. I mean, oh, but not the one you, you told us about, Michael, the PSP mm. version. Well, yeah, Oof. so the, the PSP version and later the 360 version. Like, I, I didn't realize how much I appreciated... Not only the music, but the stupid product placement. Like, yeah. everywhere you go, it's like, take me to the Pizza Hut. Take me to KFC. Burger King. Uh, yeah, whatever. But so the I, I've got the, the track list in front of me, and I want to see if you guys have heard of any of these acts. This is the, the 360 PSP version. Burn the Fields, Escape Artist. No. Which one's the band? Which one's the song name? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure. Which one of those is in quotes? <laughs> I, I think maybe Burn the Fields is the is the band. Let me look it up real quick. That sounds like the type of naming. Like, that sounds like like the nomenclature of like a, the bands of that era, like the scene music. Okay, so yes, the the band is Burn the Fields. The song is Escape Artist. Okay. Uh, we cool. also Man's have a no, but yeah. <laughs> I think I think you got your answer. The fact yeah. that we didn't know which one was the band. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to read through these. If you do recognize any of them, call it out. Uh, the Hooks get out. Johnny Rumble, Black Radio, Three Against Four, Jump, Comma, Sink, Lions, Lions, Radiator, One I'd be Light like Out, that name. <laughs> Lions, Lions. Because you kind of you have to I, read it like panicked, Michael. You have to go Lions, Lions. I'm no, I, I read sure. it like Mr. Movie Phone, Lions, Lions. Not like the, the Lions of the Lions. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of any of those. However, guarantee the sequence you just stated activated a Russian insurgent somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Orange Wednesday by One Light Out. The Juliet Dagger is a huge contributor to this with their songs Flinch, Taking It Back, and Ragdoll. That's a good name. I've never yeah. heard of them, but that's a great name. The Juliet Dagger. Nice. Yeah. It's very Featuring evocative. lead singer Bobson Dugnut. <laughs> uh, Your Mouth is a Guillotine by The Vicious Five. That's maybe too evocative. Okay. <laughs> Getting uh, back to everything we talked about before the show started. <laughs> yeah, the chase by Theron Bay or Theron Bay, radical sabbatical by the days, the nights, and spy chaser by We Are Invisible. I have never heard of any of these bands or songs. Yeah, uh, well, they are invisible. So yeah, that's a damn shame they couldn't get those rights back because I think there's like yeah. a, ta- a crazy taxi ripoff and. The iOS stores, and they might have been able to get some of these. I think they got at least one Offspring song. But as I was telling you guys off mic, um, you don't pay the arcade console money for the PSP version. Is is what happened there? What about the 360 version? I guess it was just a port from PSP. The port, Yeah. yeah. You know. I'd have to think back because you know, you know, you can still find arcade stations of this now and again, and that will of course have. The real stuff, but I actually played a GameCube port of Crazy Taxi, and now I'm not 
she, now I'm wondering, like, did it have the real music or the not? The GameCube port was, know. yes, the original. Yeah, like, the, that, that was GameCube PS2 Xbox. Yeah, okay. Dreamcast yeah, like, that's I, the one I, I played I, the most yeah. was Dreamcast. I, I associate the Ya Ya Ya's coming from, like, an actual cabinet, you know, mm. more than anything else. But, like, yeah, GameCube, man, that, that, was, that was the one. Uh, I had, you know, we all had, like, the friends who, you know, like, various friends would have various games growing up, right? You'd know you could go to this kid's house to play the Sega stuff, whoever else mm-hmm. to play the Nintendo stuff. But yeah. there's always the one kid who seemed to have everything, and uh, that was my buddy Corey, and he, and he had Crazy Taxi, and that was, we played many, many a slumber party playing nice. that game. By yeah. this time, Michael, Chris, and I were in our 20s, so we had everything because we bought it with our <laughs> yes. own money that we made yeah, working. I, well, like, I, I, had, I had turned I was, up my nose. Yeah, was... <laughs> when Crazy Taxi first came out, I turned up my nose at it because I wanted, uh, what was the fucking House of the Dead brawler that was terrible? I've already forgotten the name of it. What? Oh, Ooh. oh, uh, Zombie, Zombie Revenge. Revenge. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and then it wasn't like until bands. I had graduated college and, uh, had my own place that I actually bought Crazy Taxi because it was marked down somewhere. And oh my god, I kicked myself so hard for sleeping on it because like, I didn't, I didn't know. So it came out in like January of 2000, a few months after the Dreamcast debuted. And Sega picked it because they wanted to show the power of the Dreamcast hardware that like, look, we can have this detailed game running consistently at 60 frames a second. And, uh, Crazy Taxi, you, it has to be running very fast. And very smooth yes. for you to get the whole experience because it is just about anarchically bombing down hills, trying to get places as quickly as possible. Uh, you don't want to crash into things. You want to pass as close to them as possible and go over jumps so that you get tip bonuses from your riders who are people who are paying a lot of money to ride a cab very fast to some place that is within walking distance. Yeah, that's a ride in its entirety. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is still a thing, but when I first moved to the Bay Area, I was I was taking taxis occasionally, and I could tell you. The taxi cab drivers in San Francisco are insane. Like, oh, well, the yeah. things they would do to a Prius would make you blush. Like, mm-hmm. honest to God, I'm like, how often do you change your brakes in this thing? Like, every week? It's, it is in, it's one of those things where it's like you look down and you're gripping the, the grip, you know, on the side of the door. Like, your knuckles are just white because you're terrified because you're on these yep. steep hills and they are nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in a car once in the cabbie, like, hey, this is like a, Crown Vic, uh, former police car that I got at auction. Want to see how fast you can go? Ninety. <laughs> Fuck. I, uh, now here's the question to pose: uh, Which of the drivers did you typically use? Black guy. <laughs> Whatever his name was. <laughs> I don't you remember. Play as... Now, well, I, I, I this is where I I have a confession on the show, Tony. And I don't know; it's going to get me shunned or not. But I, at first, I thought it would, and then in, upon talking it out with Michael, I figured it out. So at first, I I thought. You know, I don't really like Crazy Taxi that much. Like, I played a little bit of it, but I always got bored within, like, five to ten minutes. That's just like your opinion, man. Well, hold on. I got (laughs) bored within, like, five to ten minutes. And then Michael and I were talking. He goes, we we figured out, like, yeah, that's that's about how much you're supposed to like Crazy Taxi. Because it is designed to be an arcade experience taken Mm -hmm. in short bursts. You you don't don't marathon this game. If you do play it for five minutes, you are extraordinarily good at it. Because the timer runs out very quickly. 
we were mentioning how short the track list is. That's because it's all it needs to be. You're not yes. getting through the first yeah. song before you fail. I bring it up because I, I know for me, uh, I you know, as I mentioned, I'd be over at my buddy's house playing, and for two like preteen boys, because every time I'm here, it's to make the rest of you feel old. For two, <laughs> for two preteen boys playing the GameCube version, we would always use you know, there's just the the girl who's just there to be the girl, you know. Uh, in the game, and I know I remember her license plate was sexy sis, and the right, user yes. manual said like the user manual listed the drivers and what each of their license plates would mean, and for hers it just said you know what it means, and you know like I said for two preteen boys we we're like <laughs> and so that's who, so that's that we don't that's have driver. our dicks, we would use we don't have our dicks out for no reason. <laughs> it means she thinks it means your sister's she, sexy. Yeah, she might have an actual sexy sister. I'm going to go masturbate about a video game's uh-huh. fictional video game character's sister who doesn't actually exist <laughs> yeah. in real life. And now, hold and that, on. Now, now you're putting words in my mouth, okay? And, <laughs> and, and my mouth is a guillotine already. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do love that it, it has uh, the obligatory 42-year-old. And if you are 42, <laughs> like I am, in any work of Japanese fiction, you are basically the oldest man it is possible to be. You are a grizzled old veteran... <laughs> And uh, Gus, who has like a really low voice, like this. Okay, here we go. It's kind of kind of weird to play as if you're used to. I think who's who's the the green haired guy, like the default Axel. I think I usually yeah, whatever his yeah. whatever his name. Yeah, yeah. The forty two year old's like, hey, I get to drive fast. I don't have very much mm-hmm. longer to live. I, I have a know? car from the fifties. Apparently, I bought it from Cuba. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what we uh, need nowadays, and this is going to be a very specific reference. So apologies in advance. What we need is, nowadays is another crazy taxi with updated drivers, and one of them mm-hmm. needs to be. There's this, like, incel red pill taxi guy in L.A. that, like, does a bunch of, like, TikToks or whatever. Just talking about, like, listen, guys, don't be these beta males. You don't get it, man. Like, make that guy driver in crazy taxi, please. Whatever happened to the days where, like, the famous Uh. cabbie in my city in L.A. was like, yeah, he's the guy that has lights inside the cab. He's got a lot of lights hanging. Well, those are the Ubers now. That's that's Uber and Lyft now. I miss it. I miss it when the taxi cab driver in every movie was all he said was "Shut up and kiss her, man." Everyone applauds. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I feel like I should talk about the city a little bit. So the original arcade city is it, like that first area. Like if you just do the automatic thing and go forward and start running down that hill, you'll like hit the cable car. You go to the seaside market. It's very San Francisco. It's like going down to Fisherman's Wharf. You can drive off the beach and and go around underwater and see a big killer whale and pick people up. And it's got you know all the all the branded places: the original Levi's store, the Tower Records, which no longer exists. Oh right, it, it has a very San Francisco feel. And if you explore it more, you'll realize like oh, it's kind of more like an amalgam of San Francisco, L.A., and maybe Honolulu. And <laughs> yes, it is but very the, Hawaiian. Yeah, and then there's also an original mode that was made for the console where it's actually a completely different map that's much bigger and more closely resembles San Francisco. Mm. And the idea there was like we, you know, it's not necessarily meant for arcade play. We want you to like do like the play for 10 minutes or whatever so that there's more to explore and that they wanted to promote like that feeling of getting lost in a city and finding your way around. But that immediate thing, it's like tearing down the hills at the beginning of Sonic Adventure 2. Like, this is very clearly San Francisco, even if it's just one very specific part of the city. 
Yeah. Um, There's no cable cars anymore or anything like that. But this, I, again, I, I, we got real good at it. And, and you can make fun of me for being old, Tony, but we were playing this on my friends. Oh, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I, that was a self-deprecating we remark. Could afford, <laughs> that is in no way directed toward you. We all. could afford a modded Dreamcast, and it was hooked up to a Killer Instinct arcade machine. Jesus. <laughs> and that, that is how we played the Dreamcast version of this. And you can get good enough to play for five minutes for sure. It's just like, it's really difficult to get the hang of, and you can't yeah. do it in 20-second bursts. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe it, it is a difficult game, like yeah. objectively so. But maybe if you play it enough, you can get this good. All right, it's time to check out how you did today. Now let's take a look. Awesome! That's it. You're the crazy coolest cat I've ever seen. Can you get any better? I have never gotten that. I've never gotten no. better than a class B license. I've also I've never met a black gentleman that authentic. <laughs> I like not in my entire life. <laughs> You're a crazy cat, man. I couldn't tell if that was the real Wolfman Jack or just like a kind of okay impersonation. <laughs> he sounds like Wolfman I Jack. Love Wolfman Jack, baby. You're watching American Werewolf in London. Good for you, Wolfman Jack. I don't think that was American Werewolf in London. Wasn't that American Graffiti that no he was in? Yeah, he was an American both. Graffiti. Yeah. But he did sing, Ow, American Werewolves in London. Uh, not Warren Zevon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend this game enough. It's one of my favorite. Um, if you think driving arcade games are boring, there's a whole new aspect to getting to this game and getting good at it, and it involves using your car to jump. And yeah. uh, the most impossible e-brake turns you can ever imagine. Like, it's, there's no mechanic like it. It's ridiculous. Well, I remember one of the coolest parts about it coming to uh, console, home console, was the Dreamcast controller was was kind of a pioneer with those triggers, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh, this is the first time where I'm playing a driving game on a home console, and it's like, oh, this is the gas pedal, this is the brake, and there's tactile, like, feedback in there, you know? Yeah, and you have to push a button to go into reverse or drive. And then, yeah, I remember, like, playing the, the sequels, like Crazy Taxi 2 was in New York, less interesting added a jump button, which kind of interfered with the purity of the experience. And then Crazy Taxi 3 High Roller was set in Vegas, and that was like the first game I remember my uh, fingers hurting because of using the, the triggers on, like, for whatever reason, I don't remember if it was the Duke controller or the Type S, but it's just like, this is I mean, really it, uncomfortable it was, to use for X. It was launch window. It was one of the first Sega exclusives on mm. a non-Sega console. Yeah, so I guess that, that Duke controller did not have great triggers. Yeah. Oh man, I love the Duke. Did you though? Did you? Thank the you. Duke loves you. You're well, ooh, I, I like that Duke. I was trying to for John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's a little smokier. Yeah. an Xbox. Anyway, the Duke good. loves you back. <laughs> Shake Go it, get baby. him a beer. <laughs> oh, All right, it. we should move along. Number four, three, two, one. This was one of the best-reviewed games of its day, and man, has it ever aged badly. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. Kinda, yeah. Unless you like your cars really chunky and fuzzy. Uh, but what no, is it, this? Well, it's the San Francisco Rush! It is. It's actually, you know, it's funny you say that about aging badly, Michael. Not I, This is not in disagreement with you, but just mm. as, like, a, another observation for, and I assume this is true probably for most people of, of my particular generation, if you ask me to just close my eyes and picture a racing game, 
maybe I don't picture SF Rush in particular, but I that is the look of a racing game in my brain. Like, mm. there is something about that, like, uh, you know, it was on more than just the N64, but, like, there was yeah. something about that, like, muddy, fuzzy, washed-out texture yeah. that, to me, to me, that is a racing game. <laughs> yeah. Your rich racers all look like that. Yeah, that's what, what it looks like in my brain, and and you know SF Rush for good reason because it. There was something it, this game did one. with the hills that like it was like okay yeah this is what I've always pictured mm-hmm. when I when I want to be racing up and down the hills of San Francisco like I don't know if it was just because they were like way longer and like yeah. than the hills actually oh, yeah. are. They were they were huge and like the physics in this were crazy because like yeah. you you'd drive up a hill at top speed and you'd crest it and then you'd just be like flying down all the way to the bottom <laughs> basically yeah yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, one thing that this game was beloved for, and that I think, I remember the PlayStation version got panned because, in part because I think it took these out, uh, was the abundance of shortcuts. Like, there yes. were all kinds of secret paths in every track. Like, there's this truck parked by the side of the road. If you drive directly under it, you will hit a ramp and go up on the roof of this building. And uh, you will, you know, eventually drop down, go through an area and drop down back onto the track ahead of everybody else. This also had kind of shortcut, really. Yeah. This also had a reset button. Like if you crashed or if you like went off the rails, you could just say like, oh, okay, hit the button, go back on track. You might drop a couple places. And the first time I played it, I remember like hitting that accidentally. And it's like, whoa, this just keeps zipping me ahead. I, why, why would I actually race? I'm just going to use this button. <laughs> And I lost no, it, terribly. But. The, the shortcut thing is something that um, racers, at least arcade racers, used to have. And then, in yeah. particular, kart racers. And I, like, I, I really miss them. Like, at some point, I feel like the early Mario Karts, they had a couple in there. And then they just completely dropped it. And it's like, it is such a, like, rewarding feeling. Especially, like, when they would design it. So it's, like, it's actually kind of easy to miss that shortcut. Or you, you actually do have to have skill to, like, line up your... your yeah. You're lying just perfectly to take the shortcut. Like if you can't, if if you're taking a shortcut because this corner is hard, this corner inside is even harder. And if you can't negotiate this well, it won't work as a shortcut. Yeah, like like burnout did a lot of that. Um, Yeah, and I miss I miss that in racing games, and I wish they would go back to that because it did. It is like a little mini reward. It's like yeah, I know this game well enough to know the shortcuts, or at least I've read a guide online. Yeah, this is a midnight club. Had great, great shortcuts. Yeah. And then uh, the sequel to this, or the direct sequel, I'm not talking about Rush 2, but uh, Rush 2049 raised yes. the stakes considerably, gave you cars with wings, and it sounded kind of like this. Jet engine mounted on the back of that default car that just uh, drowned out all other sound, especially in the arcade version. I might not know my Blade Runner lore well enough, but why does this share the same date as Blade Runner 2049? I was just about to make a very similar comment. Maybe (laughs) that's deliberate. Just to say, like, there's something about that year that I'm like, uh, man, you slap that year onto it, it's going to be a product I enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) They're two for two on that. Do my sick-ass drift, I'll leave you hanging like tears in the rain, bitch. Uh, this also had a, a great uh, song in the original for when you would enter your name. I don't know if that knocks any memories loose for anybody, but if not, maybe this will. It's your name. Start with a C. Start with a G. Start with a Z. 
<laughs> Nothing nasty now. <laughs> Nothing nasty now. Right. Your name. They know that. You know we're spelling dick, baby. Come on. J I Z number one. I'm glad you warned us, Michael. I could have had a stroke if I just heard that out of the blue, man. Yeah, that no. would have literally jogged my memory. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jog it right out of your skull. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I I didn't have a lot of experience with this game back in the day, but uh, were you? I mean, clearly you guys were fans. Uh, on on N sixty four, I did. I yeah, love yeah, this game on N sixty four. Yeah, it was N sixty four for me as well. I, I I I understand why a lot of people look back and sort of have a like a beleaguered view of the N sixty four, but that is forever just a a golden era for me so yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. it's still if you're looking back at racing games on n64 they don't really get much better than san francisco rush yeah, the, yeah. The, whatever your problem is with rush is way more evident on everything else so please enjoy your cruise ports or your extreme g <laughs> instead well it's i didn't i didn't say rush better. aged poorly in relation to other games on n64 it, it is aged poorly because it's on n64 and even the arcade yeah. version has not aged not particularly sure. well, and and I, I for whatever reason, like prepping for this, I assumed that it would be easy to get. Like, oh yeah, there's got to be ports of that floating around, easily accessible on Xbox Live, right? No, no, no. I had to track down a PS2 copy of Midway Arcade Treasures Three to to oh. play the the arcade versions of this. They I was just about to ask three for that. Huh? I was I was going to ask who published that in Midway because I'm like, yeah, why why did this series just completely die, just because gone? Midway. And it's like because oh, Midway died. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure because Ed Boon didn't work on this series to shepherd it to another publisher. Right, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. It's exactly why I'm trying to mod an arcade machine to play racing games because there's nothing quite like playing this with a wheel. Yeah. It's Especially so the, the the arcade version, like realizing after the fact, like yeah, actually no, the N sixty four version was made to be played with uh, thumbsticks, and that's what you should play. You should not play the arcade version, which is the the what the port on PS two is, because so much of that is is just like select this with the wheel, and uh, you're you're meant to like <laughs> hold the wheel in a specific position that is kind of difficult to do with the thumbstick, oh, hey. like. Yuck. You just sort of like have to balance your thumb perfectly. And it's like, all right, I want this course. Okay, hit the button. All right, good. Locked it in before it picked a different one. So. Oh, I see someone doesn't have a home racing wheel. Fucking mm, nope. Noob. Nope. We used to. Nope. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> you can't, those things are like $400 now. That was like one of the first things I noticed yeah. was like, how do we have a shortage of this during COVID? Like racing wheels of all things. <laughs> Uh, well, not if, not if you're hanging out parasitically outside of magazines closing mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the late 2000s, because I had like two of them. I gave one to my friend. I'll see if he still has it. Mm. Yeah, I, gave, I think Grim got another one of them, obviously. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move along to... Number three. There she is, brother. San Fierro, the city of psychedelic wonders. Man, I can't believe I ain't been here before. There ain't a better place to escape the man, man. Okay, Mr. San Fierro, where's the spot at? It's in Doherty, on the east side of Fierro, between Garcia and Easter Basin. What's with all aluminum for you, man? Protection from mind control, dude. Uh, Peter Fonda, R.I.P. R.I.P. this is our first instance of one of the things that San Francisco is known for to like a lot of people throughout the country that isn't so much a thing anymore is hippies mm-hmm. like old yeah. burned out hippies. And that, that's are, the thing are... I didn't mention about San Francisco rush for yeah. whatever reason. One of your opponents is always a hippie van. <laughs> like... Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and what's one of the things I 
So that was kind of mad about Sam. I, when I came out there in the early 2000s, it still had like this creative spark mm-hmm. and not so much tie dye, but like, hey, comedy, poetry. This is a place where artists can live. And then it just, I remember doing my taxes as an independent person. Like, surely the city will take into account that I make less than $30,000 a year. They do not. They do not give a fucking shit about that. They don't stipend their artists at all. And my favorite thing about living on the street that I did, you've been there many times, mm-hmm. Michael, at like, 7 a.m. and like 10 p.m. at night, a door that looks like it looks like a garage door, but then a door, human sized door would like fly open mm-hmm. and withered gray tie dyed hippies would emerge and slowly <laughs> step outside. And I just wanted to do a documentary about them that they they look like they hide most of the day and these hippies emerge at night when no one can see them <laughs> to do all their shopping. It's what we have instead of chuds. <laughs> it's when the Trader Joe's is less packed, man. <laughs> yeah, don't don't see a whole lot of hippies in San Francisco, yeah. despite the reputation. Like, even if you go down to like Hate and Ashbury, you're you're more likely to see is like street kids hanging out. And, yes, uh, gutter yeah. punks at, yeah. the, at best. You had you got yeah. gutter punks. I'm uh, yeah. I'm. I'm essentially. This isn't a video podcast. I'm essentially always cosplaying as a hippie nowadays with <laughs> my current look, but. Uh, but you, you do it, look like a, a temporary member of the Electric Mayhem with that headband. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a young Jerry Garcia yeah. most of the time. Um, no, it's funny you mentioned that association with the city because actually my flight out there when I had moved out there for my internship, uh, the first like sort of people I encountered en route to San Francisco, they were going home, was a couple who absolutely fit that bill. Uh, yeah. And that's like that is now forever because they were the first people I met. Like that is my impression of residents of San San Francisco, even though I know, I know that it is not factually, factually true. That's always the image that lingers. They, I mean, they, they stopped doing it after a while, but like when I first got here, like take the, take the Volkswagen bus bubble tour, man, we'll blow bubbles and play Jerry music. <laughs> it will drive you up and down. Hate Ashbury. And like those, I didn't even realize that those evaporated and completely went away. Uh, by the time the 2010s rolled around. Yeah, well, I think even now there's there's still probably people you know ready to cash in on tourists who want to see some hippies, but it's yeah. like you know it's it's purely a business thing. Now. I, did, I did live in the hate, and there was yeah. a, a crust punk, and he like saw one of those buses, threw on a vest, he was like, "Hey, look at me, I'm a hippie, getting your money's worth. Look at the hippie!" And like <laughs> it was like one of the funniest things we've ever seen. <laughs> I love that he just had a vest at the ready yeah. too. Like, yeah, throw on this I'm vest. A hippie dude, peace. Uh, I fought at Woodstock in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Died in Vietnam, bro. Uh, yeah. The, so the San Fierro, the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas equivalent of San Francisco. You don't spend a whole lot of time in San Fierro in San Andreas. Like it, it is yeah. just sort of like, isn't it neat? There's more than one city here. There's actually three. The third one's based on... It was Vegas, yeah, right? Yeah, it was Las Venturas, mm-hmm. but it was Vegas, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so San Fierro, you comparatively spend the least amount of time in, and yeah. I guess it's the smallest. But still, they made the effort to make a like a very small reproduction of a lot of different San Francisco neighborhoods. Uh, there's there's even like a little pseudo Lombard Street you can, you can bomb down if you want. Of course. Uh, yeah. It has the Hashbury, which is the equivalent of Haight-Ashbury, and... 
Like, I think the, the real Haight Ashbury has the Piedmont boutique, which has like you know the the iconic stocking legs sticking out of the second floor window, mm-hmm. and uh, they have something similar in that there's like the upper half of a huge bandanaed hippie like leaning out of this one building and mm. smoking a joint uh, as you do. But yeah, it's it's still it's also very much trying to capture that vibe of like, look at all these hippie centric businesses, man. Look at all these storefronts right. with like psychedelic lettering. Man, it's like it, yeah, and, and I think you if you didn't play this for like a several dozen hours, you never even saw this part. Yeah, yeah, there were people who like never got past Los Santos and were like, yeah, this game sucks. Whatever, I don't like it. Uh, got <laughs> hate to admit it. I am one of them. I spent so much time in the first city that I just like I gave up on the campaign probably midway through. I'm just like, okay, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like something like ten hours. It's it's a long time before you actually get out of Los Santos, and then when you finally do, it's like the game has just opened up. Like you're out. But in I, this I did what I normally area. do. I I spent most of my time getting jacked because that was the game where you could change the look of your body by like weightlifting. (laughs) I I would like literally had a circuit. I'm like, I'm going to go eat at Cluck and Bell and then go lift weights. And so I can convert that to muscle, not fat. And then I, I fell in love with that stupid gang mini game where it's just like, Oh yeah, you you, you take over the city block. Oh shit. It's being attacked. Uh, And at at some point my entire time in that game was spent defending the city blocks I had taken over. Yeah. I, I spent way too much time doing that. And I think it kind of puts it on a hold. Like I'd conquered the entire city and then left only to like it, it factors into some of the later missions that you have to take neighborhoods. So like they'll just arbitrarily say like, okay, these neighborhoods belong to the ballers now. You have to you have to go right. and fight for them again, um, but but yeah, like that was it, it's it's such a it's such a weird thing that the game's general vibe and uh, when when you do get to San Fierro, you basically have to escape from Los Santos and uh, you you win a garage in a street race and it turns out to be a piece of shit that uh, Carl C J is not very happy about. We in a strange place. We got shit to our name, and for once, I try to make something work, this garage, and it ain't even a garage. Then make it into a garage. Oh, that's a great idea, sis. Won't you shut up? You know what, Carl? You are a fucking idiot. Your whole life you wanted something for nothing. Now you've got something, and you don't know what to do with it. We'll make it good enough. Yeah, I like Kendall. She's got her head on straight. (laughs) Good, good dose of reality there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. GTA is essentially about wanting something for nothing. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I do this one thing and you give me fat stacks of cash? Okay, awesome. Now I'm a drug kingpin? Awesome. Uh, do you remember what they called uh, the Castro district in the game? Queens. I was just about to say, if there's Queens. one thing they handle well, it's stereotypes. <laughs> oh, am I right? Yeah. No, no, no. Especially back then. Mm. Rockstar was... Well, well, I, th- I think it? I think Rockstar had improved its stereotypes a bit since the days of GTA 3 when it was oops all stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear what did, what do they call the Castro Chris? Queens. Of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matt looks surprised and then disappointed. But again, Super it's, it's a it's an upgrade from the days of GTA 3 when they had like the the construction workers in hot pants who would say, "Young man," as they went past you. Wow. Oh, I get it. I yeah, see what you did. Of course, there. I yes. get it. 
Uh-huh. We have only uh-huh. a single concept of what a homosexual <laughs> is, and they're in the village people. Yeah, and it just <laughs> comes from the from YMCA specifically. Yeah. Wow. Although I'm cons- I, I'm convinced conservatives don't know that about the village people because so many of them <laughs> use that song at their rallies. Like Trump was mm. famous for oh, using that with song. Macho man. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, dude, you you know about that band, right? <laughs> it's, it's but the macho. You know what the subtext of what you're supposed to do at the YMCA is, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Even though your time in San Fierro is relatively short, you did meet one of my favorite characters at the time, and he was my favorite entirely because of who was voicing him. As usual, the forces of darkness have triumphed over good. Life is nothing but misery, briefly interspersed with agony. Homie, what you own? Whatever it is, you need to reduce the dosage. Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, David Cross. I was going to say, it's that guy from the Chipmunk movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. God damn it. Oh, you hurt my soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he collected a paycheck. He's fine. Oh, David yeah, Cross, you blow hard. And then, I think someone gave him shit about that, and he said, that bought me a house. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah but I like that, that he's at oh, least... I- he was like, at the time, you know, not no one in these roles was actually playing the game, whereas David Cross could take questions and is very much aware, like, God, my fucking <laughs> RC plane mission sucks. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. It's like the worst part of the it game. It might be the worst, I, but I, I the low point it. of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. It took me, like, over an hour to to, to get done. If you think that frustrates him, you should see him try to do a pre-tape call-in show. <laughs> no! The elderly was last week. Uh, I think they might have retooled that a bit. I, I seem to remember like going back and playing it in, in like the later versions. Because, uh, as we all know, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was one of the few games of its era to get a version 2.0. Because they had to take out the hot coffee stuff in order to avoid an adults-only mm. rating. Um, oh, okay. Then it later right. came to iOS, which was that that blew my mind so hard. It's like I can play what I thought was the biggest game like ten years ago on my phone. You can, but yeah. it played like shit. Like no, I think we all did that for thirty fine, seconds. And surprisingly, no, I remember the the fake thumbstick thing. I but you can play it with a controller. Who like, does that? You are you insane? It worked with like MFI controllers were a thing. The at people, that point. Uh, not many people have them, but, but the people who do have the like backbone controllers for their mm-hmm. phones do swear by them. Yeah, and you don't even need that anymore. You can just like uh, use a PS4 controller. Yeah. Those people anything are all serial killers, Tony. I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> trust anything they say. Yeah, uh, I think Rockstar made, has made. You can buy these all on Steam. And I think I got one them, free yeah. for signing yeah, they, up for yeah, the, they made them the social club. They've been free plenty of times. Yeah, right. they, all, they all came to PC re- within a few years. Like they have not been available yeah. that long. Um, I think it was when like they they announced like the Red Dead PC port or something. Like they haven't been available too too long. But yeah, the the issue with the RC mission it was I, it was a control issue if I remember yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. It just like they, they inverted the controls. It was like it was incredibly yeah. it, and the difficulty spiked. Yeah, incredibly in my I, my memory, honestly, about San Fierro, it was a little difficult to get like fly you know without cheating to get uh, uh fl- vehicles that flew. Mm-hmm. And there's an abundance of seaplanes in San Fierro, and it was easy to get to. So if you wanted to get in a plane and not alert all the authorities at the airport. Go to San Fierro, grab a seaplane. You can land it in the water. It was awesome. Yep. So I went so there. Wait, all you're the saying inverted controls, like from how you had them set. So, like, if you normally yeah. play inverted, it so. goes normal at that point. Yeah, I, and I think they were That's poorly weird. inverted too. 
because uh, it was just very difficult to steer. It was like yeah. learning how to control something completely new in well, the game. Those PS2 era GTA games, like the flying was always horrible. Oh, like, it was it awful. Was just just yeah. the worst. And I think it was because they were trying to have, you know, I just told myself like, oh, I guess the physics are realistic because a real plane <laughs> would probably be this hypersensitive when I try to nudge it in any direction. No, it's because the the engine did not support flying and they were literally trying to figure out how to like use a driving engine for flight. In but those they games. had to it cheat so that cars could fly starting from GTA 3. Like it was always yeah. there. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, and then GTA 3 also had, like, that, that plane that you could get that had no wings and would fly anyway. <laughs> sure. You know, for reasons. It's, and, it's, and it's odd that, like, uh, yeah, that 5 has been out for so long, and mm-hmm. this has never been revisited in any meaningful way. Like, How many generations is 5 now? 3? Three? 3. 3, uh, three yeah. for 5. PS2 yeah. got 3 GTAs, and GTA 5 got 3 PlayStations. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's like the Final Fantasy issue mm-hmm. all over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah game, games are very expensive and take a long time to make now. I know, I yeah. know. Still, it's true. It's true, but it's it's like because they still update that game and make new shit. It seems like it would be really nice to fly to a city that looked like San Francisco and was mm-hmm. half the size. That's yeah. that's the biggest missed opportunity with Five. Is kind of like I get that you have online, and and by by the way. GTA Online could very well have San Fierro. I wouldn't fucking know about it because I'm not Kyle touching Perico. that part of the game. But like, you know, it's one of those deals where it's like, man, if you just would have made a DLC that that gave us the other stuff from San Andreas, you could have made another billion dollars on that game. Oh, believe know? me, they've already yeah. made another billion dollars. Oh, they have. That's because you can go to Liberty City in San Andreas. It, you can briefly. You know, I think there's blocks. like a mission, but it's yes. not like the whole thing. But it's still a it's still a new city for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's true. Technically, it has four cities. If you don't count all the little towns and things, it's just a couple of blocks. Though I think yeah. the their version of Liberty City. Yeah, yeah. But it is one. funny that five includes like the meth cities that are kind of like where I grew up, like Riverside, California. It's yeah. like that's like meth country out there. It's like the Fontana. City. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Sorry, people. Where, where from you Fontana. pick up all the country stations? God damn, Danny mm-hmm. McBride rules. Sorry, I just beat that <laughs> last year. Uh, <laughs> Nice. It's all that inland desert area, like the California Badlands stuff. Bakersfield. It's I think it's meant to be like Bakersfield, Fontucky, these kind of yeah. places. I feel like this this would probably be higher, except well, number one, it's you know it's not trying to be real San Francisco. It's a pretty good analog. Uh, it's also a very dinky one. It was really cool, the, you know, living in San Francisco and getting to see some it, it in some form in a GTA. Like that was amazing back in two thousand five, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's been done better since, specifically in this game. Number two. First time it happened, I was like floating above it all. Mm-hmm. Your standard near-death experience, huh? Yeah, right. The next time it happened, I could sort of pick a body, and wham! I, I, I'm inside them. Like, it's like I'm... I'm driving as usual, but I look in the rearview mirror and I see this strange chick looking back at me, and I realize I'm in the body of a girl. Man, finish your damn donut, then I'm taking you to a shrink. Oh, what's this? Phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Driver, Driver San Francisco. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you told me this was going to be your list, I was like, ooh, is that the one with the body switching? It is. What a that cool is. thing. Which I will say GTA V kind of later did. Full disclosure, I work for Ubisoft, but which made this game. I, I was just saying the body switching thing kind of ended up in GTA V as well. Like when you switch characters, it kind of does a mm. similar thing. It like mm-hmm. pulls out and zooms back in to the new guy. Except, except in Driver San Francisco, your guy's not like naked doing meth in the middle yeah. of the desert well also driver san francisco you can do it you can hop into literally any car like you just pull out and then you're you're looking down at the city and it's like oh i want to jump into that red car over there bam you're in the red car you're driving around maybe uh the person you just quantum leaped into uh has a wife that's yelling at him and you have to suddenly take up his end of the argument uh Eat well, your heart out, Watch Dogs Legion. They I was just about to first. say, uh, not to knock Ubisoft, but like the big selling point feature of Legion is something they literally did in Driver San Francisco. Well, they, did, they did it a bit differently. Like you're not you're not recruiting these drivers long term. You don't have. To I know do it's better. You could just jump in them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to recruit them. Um, but yeah, the so, but the you uh, just Wonder Woman into their body. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> do what you want in there. <laughs> Uh, I think you mean you Steve Trainer into their body. Uh, that's what I'm, yeah. But the reference makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Wonder Woman 84. Look it up. Sure. Uh, so Driver San Francisco is a ton of fun. I know a lot of people probably slept on this, including myself. I rediscovered it recently. And it, it's just like you can drive into anybody randomly. And, of course, there are always marked cars on the map. You can jump into and do a mission. And the missions might range from uh, helping other cops uh, catch a suspect in a specific way or uh, helping a news producer capture footage of wrecks and high-speed chases by jumping into other cars and making them do that. Because you're a <laughs> sociopath, apparently. Yeah, uh, apparently. If, uh, no, not really. You're a comatose cop who's uh, living in, a, in an extended... Uh, coma dream it's like quantum leap but just in one city yeah one of my favorite early ones is uh jumping into a test drive that sounds like it's between uh chris parnell and jonathan katz this is a car sir that says i have arrived and i came much faster than you but it's so damn powerful when am i gonna drive a monster like this sir the question isn't when am i gonna drive it but hey ladies who wants to go for a spin Oh, yeah. This is the real deal. Way too much grunt for a greenhorn. I could get us into some serious trouble. Yes, sir. You certainly could. I'm just going to floor it, okay? Go right ahead. Yeah, never trust a salesman who tells you to floor it in a test drive model. <laughs> I, I really think my son uh, Ben will, will like this car. I think, yeah. I think I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, I think, you know, I think ben, gonna... I really don't know that I need anything like this. It's, it, it, seems, <laughs> it seems kind of out of character for me. Your ben. John Katz is <laughs> way too good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was his daughter's name in home movies? He had another character. Oh, it was a funny. Yes. Melissa? Melissa. Yeah. Oh, God. Home movies is good. Brandon. Yes. Brandon, you pay attention Brandon. to Brandon. Brendan, Brendan, say hi to your mom for me. Yeah. Brendan. Bre- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we, we just talked about this. And <laughs> it's, it's like there is an abnormal amount of podcasts have been using that exact line <laughs> the past couple weeks, and I don't know. Really? Something in the, the water, I guess. Yeah, for some, I've heard it on multiple podcasts, yeah. people using that exact line. People should stop copying us and give us some fucking money for doing so. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, we did man, it weeks we ago. home movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we talked about this a couple anyway, weeks ago. Yeah, and we I, did. I fired 
Did I did I give you you, you played this didn't you Michael because I have a couple copies of Driver San Francisco I, still. I did play it I, I have it on 360 which is it is backwards compatible on Xbox One yeah yep. all right yeah playing um, an old old ass disc it, do they sell lovely. it on the storefront they no, they no longer sell it unfortunately yeah. Uh, yeah. it's too bad but it's, it's available it's and it's kind of having you know I think um, a big YouTuber did a thing on it and it became like the like the price went up on the game because wow. people were looking for it. Because yeah. it's dope. not by much. It, it is. It um, is a lot of fun, and there's a lot mm. of variety. The open world San Francisco is really fun to explore. Like you know, I, I did the thing where it's just like, all right, let's let's find the areas I'm familiar with and see how close they are to the real thing. Uh, not really, but you know, you get over that, and it's like, all right, I'm just gonna have fun driving around and you know, getting on the freeway, jumping off into streets below. But one interesting thing about it is that you have to unlock... It does the GTA thing where you have to unlock the map by doing story missions. But uh, unlike GTA, which just has like the, oh no, that, that bridge is out, or there's a lockdown between counties, you can't, you can't leave, or cops will think you're a terrorist, whatever. Um, it actually it puts up colored barriers that canonically exist... And like you, if you drive into them, you'll just drive right back out, going the other direction. And your character's like, it's like driving through liquid ice. Oh my god! And uh, at one point, you are tailing a suspect, and you actually see one, and he brings it up to his partner. John, what are you doing, man? She's right there. I can't go through that. Through what? Okay, we are definitely taking you to the hospital. This is affecting you, man. No, I'm fine. Look, we've got to let her go. Just trust me on this one. But yeah, the, the the map is is quite big. It's just Michael. I love you, but I do need to point out when you say it's like driving through liquid ice. So water, it's like driving through water, <laughs> extremely cold water. <laughs> you know, there's a Very difference between water and liquid point. ice. <laughs> you mean like liquid nitrogen? Maybe I don't know. Anyway, yeah. you wouldn't survive that. Uh, <laughs> Yes, yeah, so let's, let's just break down all the physics of body jumping right now. Let's, yes, why let's don't? Do that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I remember about this game, and it could have just been the theme song, is it? I know it wasn't based in the '70s, but it kind of gave off like the the pal even the color palette they use. It kind of gave me mm. at least a, like a '70s vibe. You know? Yeah. It's, well, and and the the car that you drive, like that, you know, '70s muscle car. Uh, like the driver series has always very much been meant to evoke that like since yeah. since the days on ps1 where i'd also had uh spent some time in san francisco including you know along with other cities but uh yeah dri driver at its best was always just like hey remember bullet play bullet <laughs> like, that's well, i was just about is. to bring up so one of the things you learn in, about san francisco there's a famous chase scene in bullet that takes mm -hmm. place on a highway that's no longer there like mm -hmm. it takes place on the embarcadero highway which was this like thing that went over what is now the Embarcadero, which is just kind of like this nice road you drive along the bay, you know, like yeah. it, it goes, it basically connects the baseball stadium with the pier district or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that used to be like a highway running near all yeah. those buildings that but was up above the city. That was, uh, it was destroyed in the Loma Prieta quake in 1989. And that is also the reason that there is no direct freeway route through the city. If you are yes. commuting, as I did for many years, from Marin County to South San Francisco, you actually have to get off the freeway, drive through a bunch of drive through the entire city, roughly, and then at the south end of the city, yep. there's freeway on ramps and down Third Street through mm -hmm. the Third Street through the Sunset, basically, yep, it takes exactly. you takes yeah. you through the city. Yep. So anyway, yeah, driver San Francisco, go check it out, and also check out yes, this. You can. <laughs> 
CTOS isn't just regulating infrastructure. The amount of personal data that thing is collecting is fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, it's big brother and little brother all rolled up into one. Huh? Sees everything you do and tells on you. Thank you, Josh. All right, what is this? <laughs> you love to see it. We knew this would be on the list. Watchdogs, the Deuce. Watchdogs two again. Got to be number one. Ubisoft game. Yeah, yeah. And and I think in terms of recreations of San Francisco, it is inarguably the best, and it's the closest Mm -hmm. to the real thing. To the point where, if you know the city, you can go and kind of find your way around to a point, and then you run into weird stuff like why why is uh San Francisco MoMA Museum of Modern Art like directly across the street from the Mission District? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, there's there's some it, truncation. And I will say of all these, the only one on this list that is also like thematically, you know, it embraces San Francisco. Like all the others it's just about the geography, but like yes. this one it's it's like the narrative and the the stuff it is going for and and I will admit I'm not a huge fan of the series. It's not really for me, but like when it comes like to the mechanics <laughs> and the narrative thrust of this game, like it is quintessential San Francisco. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's also quintessential uh, anonymous. Realizing after the fact that yeah. like the targets that they go after are like there, there is a very clear stand-in for the Church of Scientology that you go after yeah. at one point. And that was like one of the big anonymous ops, and it's it's kind of funny in retrospect, like. When this game came out, I didn't yet know that, like, Anonymous was always kind of a lie. Like, it was really a bunch of forum people who were pretending to be super hackers. Like, there was no army of elite hackers sitting behind the scenes waiting to fix things. Right. Um, I mean, if that was true, they probably would have taken down, like, a lot of the QAnon stuff that was out there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, because sometimes I'm like, I wish, like, yeah. What are you doing, Anonymous? Go after these guys. And it's like, oh, yeah. There's a politician right now charged with sex trafficking. Where are you? (laughs) Where where, where are you, Q? Well, this game also also had... uh, We're still in COVID times. You can wear your Guy Fox mask and nobody's mm going to bat an eye. Because we all have to be wearing masks. This game also famously skewered someone that Anonymous would have gone after, which is uh, the Pharma Bro. There there is Mm -hmm. a Pharma Bro mission Mm -hmm. in this game where... It recreates the thing where he bought. Now, now this would be an uh, NFG nowadays, or whatever the hell oh, those the N- NFT, NFT. NFT. Yeah. Uh, but he, he remember he bought like the only version of a Wu Tang album or something mm-hmm. yeah. like that, which yeah. was yeah. that's leading. That's more on the Wu Tang that they wanted to yeah. sell an album like you know an expensive piece of fine art, and he just happened to be the asshole who bought it. For, <laughs> there was yeah, so, several million I, I think dollars. This, yeah. I think this was disproven, but. Supposedly, there was like something written in the contract about that. That yeah, like, no, that was Bill Murray or someone was like allowed to steal it at least once, like attempt to steal no, it. Supposedly, the Wu Tang was a- allowed was to it? to steal it back in a quote heist or caper. That was That's not true was. at all. And, uh, every, and everybody but, was like, "This is a Coen Brothers movie, just waiting to happen." Mm-hmm. But what what <laughs> was true is that he said if Trump won the election, he would play the album publicly and. What a horrible way to experience a new Wu-Tang album. Mm. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to think of a, a wow. worse scenario. Like, my fingernails are being ripped out one by one. Uh, 
while, <laughs> while I watch my parents murdered. I don't, I, I can't think of a worse scenario than that. But you got RZA in your ear while it's happening. Yeah, while well, a farmer bro sits there, smokes and laughs while the, while we, we brace ourselves for inevitable four year decline. Wasn't the mission I, in this game to steal that album and release it publicly? Like that was, if I'm remembering I forget, correctly. I think it was like a, a side mission or like a, a run up to a larger mission. I remember you were kind of messing with his automated house security to, to sort of yeah, torment yeah. him. Um, oh yeah. But, but yeah, like the, I, this was kind of like, it, it was like the fantasy version of anonymous that we all wanted to exist. These, you know, artistic, uh, genius hackers working behind the scenes to, you know, I- expose crimes and bring down the man. And like, even the videos that they had, like when, when you do every op that it was like the phantom thieves stealing your heart thing, where it's like, we've got someone in a skull mask, uh, telling people about what DeadSec has uncovered. They kind of, uh, you know, we're borrowing that anonymous energy. They sold you a system to monitor your homes, promising privacy, security, and convenience. Home is selling your habits. habits. In fact, you pay a monthly subscription fee for the privilege of being sold to the highest bidder. That's not difficult to imagine in real life. Hearing that now, that sounds so much like Bloodhound from Apex Legends. But (laughs) (laughs) what I was going to say was, I cannot recall, was... Did this game introduce DeadSec, or was that already an element of the first game? DeadSec was I... an element of the first game, but they were kind of like this this more shadowy group that was wider spread. Okay. And then this game this... was uh, introducing you to a specific DeadSec cell. In well, yeah. Much like the series, this game gave DeadSec personality. <laughs> Just mm. like this game actually gave like <laughs> Watch Dogs, in my opinion, personality. The first one to me was pretty bland. Two was like an overcorrection almost. It's like, wow. There is nothing, there is, if nothing else, this game is loaded with personality. I loved all the characters in this game. And this, yes. this is one of the first games where I was like playing it and I'm like, I am too old to identify with these people. <laughs> these, these people are like 20 years younger than me. I will say it has, it has that personality from moment one. I, and you know, I was talking about like the music and all these, um, uh, all, all the entries that we've talked about so far. Um, I, I don't know if this is anything you have uh, on your clips there, Michael, but, uh, the intro trailer to this, if I remember correctly, like it, it was paired with Don't Sweat the Technique, and I just remember that being one of the best music pairings with a game trailer, uh, really that I'd ever seen. Mm. Uh just just a just a killer introduction to this game. Yeah. And I remember that it has a runaway robot that recites Los Locos kick your ass and your balls into <laughs> outer space, <laughs> making for the ultimate short circuit two reference. There, there, a movie I watched just last week, last week. Yeah. There are so many reference heavy conversations <laughs> in this game between Marcus and Wrench. That, that, that friendship is great, by the way. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of the game. Uh, but, and I, I didn't think to grab any clips, but it's, it's stuff like, how did we clear this by legal? Like, uh, Talking about the Predator and all the characters that have fought the Predator. It's like, oh, Predator's fought Superman. He's fought this. The Archie beat the Predator. Archie is the apex, is the top of the food chain. <laughs> I don't think movies need to clear a fucking conversation with IP lawyers. And I don't know why games pretend like they have to. Ooh, we can't mention Street Fighter in our game. Why? It's so ridiculous. I don't know. It's culturally okay. relevant. Yeah. yeah. It makes no sense. And to evolve I- as a medium... Somebody should let that go. And just... I'm just waiting, you know, 
it's about time Fisher Stevens apologized for that short circuit oh, character. Is. Look, I'm, I'm just teasing. Not, I, not 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 to a Hank Azaria this week level. I, I was but, tying but, into that yeah. the, this week's news. Unfortunately, about he apologized while doing an Asian accent. So true. it really, really didn't go <laughs> true. He said many apologies, banged a gong, and just lowered his head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was just so 80s that we just bought that Fisher Stevens was an Indian guy. Like, yeah, totally, totally makes sense. I was in a kid. I didn't know any better. Of, uh, yeah, what was the, what's the, the Aziz Ansari show? Uh, the Master th- of there's None. a whole, Master there's a whole, None. like, scene about that yes. where even he's like, dude, I thought I was finally seeing me on screen and it was a white guy in brown face. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because the, the heart of that story, especially when you get to the end, it is the tale of an immigrant making it in America and it does undercut that pretty significantly. Mm. Yes. When Johnny Five is made a citizen at the end, along with Benjamin Jabetti. Uh, sorry for you. Sorry for affecting Fisher Stevens' accents. Oh my god. Oh, what game were we talking about? Watch Dogs Watch Two. Watch Dogs Two. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, I took us on a little bit of it. You were the, the one second, who brought up Short Circuit, so I blame you. It's in. The, we have a, a YouTube video of it. Uh, it's one of the finest references I've ever seen. The line is directly from the movie, so even I was like, <laughs> I haven't really seen a game ever do this. Yeah, let's look. They, let's they sing it. the song from the movie. <laughs> Uh, that was, that was so much fun. Um, and, uh, Ubisoft being based in San Francisco, I should say both this and Driver San Francisco have Ubisoft offices. Uh, the one in Driver mm-hmm. San Francisco is not the actual Ubisoft office. It is just a building with the Ubisoft logo out mm-hmm. front. The one in Watch Dogs 2 is much closer to what the actual Ubisoft office looks like. Mm-hmm. And they even include a mission where you have to sneak up onto the roof and uh, intercept, you, you, you steal a quote-unquote leaked game trailer. Pop quiz, guys. What does every gaming website love most? Being considered journalism? Leaks. They pay through the nose for them, especially if it's a leak from one of the big studios like, oh, I don't know, Ubisoft? Marcus, don't toy with my fragile heart. What do you got? Just a lead. New game trailer from UB San Francisco. Mm. I can smell all those followers we'd nab. Yeah, I'll see if I can fit a Ubisoft heist into my schedule. That's that's so weird to hear. I'm also pretty sure that no website pays for leaks. I'm pretty sure I, they just get those surprised. for free. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm sweating it out over here. Like, oh, the people who didn't get the satire of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's so funny though. Like you talk about breaking the fourth wall, Michael. I'm like, well, this is like the company that with Assassin's Creed literally had you in the Montreal office building at one point. Although it was yeah. go, it was it was Abstergo at that point. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Abstergo Entertainment, but it was you know very heavily inspired by UB Montreal. I mean, it had the same view. It was the same part of the city of Montreal. Well, that's true. Like, Although the building at. itself was much nicer. Than yes, the ones I've been much in bigger, much yeah. bigger. I think UB Montreal is like three or four stories mm-hmm. tops and. Yeah, this Correct is like a, a massive glass skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. This heist mission, the the footage you steal, wasn't it like actual like old prototype footage from a canceled game or something too? Like I remember some further association. I, with I it, never but I may, figured I may out just what be the cr- story. No, the, stories. I, I never figured out if it was like oh an actual thing, but it, it, at some point like the rumor got out like oh no that's a canceled game that they actually showed right. in yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I was. But thinking. it almost yeah. felt apocryphal, and Michael probably can't say anything about it. So. Yeah, probably not. The other thing we should talk about is Watch Dogs 2 not only covered San Francisco proper, mm-hmm. the oh, city, yeah. they went above and beyond, and actually they had like a little mini Marin. I think they really only had Sausalito, yeah. but it was I, there. I, I remember I was very excited uh, when I found out that they were going to do Marin in Silicon Valley and Oakland, 
and like I was interviewing a developer and I was just like excited like oh are you going to put in this place how how far north are you going to go are you going to like have downtown San Rafael what are you going to include it's like look cool your jets we're just going to yeah. do like a little bit of Sausalito it's it's just the waterfront yeah. part of Sausalito pretty, pretty it's much, like that's yeah. it yeah that's it I don't even I'm trying to remember do you go through the Robin Williams tunnel or not which is the famous, there's a tunnel yeah. on the north side of the Golden Gate Bridge, which kind of takes you through these mountains. And then on the other side of that is Marin County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, Now it's I called don't the Robin Williams Tunnel. I forget what it was called before. I don't think it had like, it was just like the North Tunnel or whatever. And then they named it, they officially renamed it the Robin Williams Tunnel because he lived near there. Yeah. And it has like the rainbow stripes over the tunnel entrance, yeah. which it, it, looked it like always his had suspenders. Those, which is why yeah. it was named for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like the tunnel has rainbow suspenders. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, and, ooh, and but then the yeah, only... the East Bay was also just like a little slice of Oakland mm-hmm. and maybe Berkeley. I want to say I don't really remember that one. Well. Yeah, it's mostly Oakland. And then like Silicon Valley was just like uh, this is Apple and Facebook's campus sort yeah. of mishmashed into one thing. Yeah, there's there's Noodle, which is you know Google, Google, that's a Google campus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's a uh, yeah man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... love love this representation, and it's very representative of. The San Francisco of now. Cause actually I moved to San Francisco after a lot of people were like, Oh, it's not the real San Francisco anymore. You know, before the tech companies took over, like the city had heart and now it has no heart. And I'm like, well, I've only been here since then and it seems fine. But, uh, and yeah. I mean, Hey, they change. Cities change. It, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And this one's changed a lot since I've been here. Um, but we. <laughs> Yeah, should so probably New York for yeah. me. <laughs> An should, awful lot, especially right now. We should probably bring this to a close. I did want to throw out brief mentions to a couple of other games that I looked at for this list. Uh, Manhunter 2 San Francisco, which <laughs> it might be the only game. It's like a, a very old EGA era Sierra adventure game where you're like oh. this this robed cultist acting as a manhunter for like these alien orbs that have taken over society. But it's set in San Francisco and they actually like recreate areas like the porn stores around North beach. Like that is clearly the big (laughs) Al's sign over there. Welcoming you to big Al's adult bookstore. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's like that, that, that was kind of forward thinking back in the day. And also the, Tex Murphy series, which has been going since like 1989, uh, had its most recent game in 2014. And, uh, it tells the story of a down and out hard, hard luck PI living on Chandler street in post world war three, San Francisco, but, uh, not less, less about the city and more about just like comical FMV hijinks. Well, yeah, I think you also, uh, we were talking about read only memories, like, mm-hmm. is it 2064 or whatever, yeah. but yeah. it's like, that's like, a super far future version of San Francisco. Mm. And I think, don't you just stay in a bar most of that game? No, you're just... thinking of Valhalla. Uh, I'm thinking of Valhalla. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give a quick honorable mention to, uh, the, the recent puzzle game maquette. It was, Ooh. uh, at this point no longer, but it was a free PS plus game for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's a very abstract puzzle game, but it is very deliberately and explicitly set in San Francisco. Wow. Uh, oh. at least the narrative, the narrative it's telling does weave in and out of it. Um, and the, is that the, the Palace the of Fine Arts that like the key art is that, that cool palace looking sh- structure? I'm not sure because it's, it's kind of like all sort of within it. It's, it's the, the, the setting you're playing in is more of a memory palace. But wow. as such, the architecture is very reflective of SF and it is, like I said, it is, it is explicitly the story weaves all through and throughout the, the the city, um, and it's a very cool puzzle game uh, that that I recommend people check out. 
Well, that's pretty much our top five. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. I don't want to Get scratching. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse and 30 2010? Well, the Laser Time Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash laser time. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. It is the launch of Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. One oh, of man. the worst games I have ever played. Terrible. It's, it, it's terrible in a different way because, like, you get a lot of the YouTube snark over the first level, which is... And it was basically just a parody of They Live, yeah. which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't get it all. And once you get past that original level, it's just a shitty, shitty, oh, shitty yeah. side-scroller with no gimmick at all. Do we know the story? Is this one of those things where they had a different game and then they just threw a Simpsons skin over it to capitalize on, I, on the fad? Or? I don't think so, but it is the first one from Acclaim. But what I do like pointing out is that everything in the game, such as the importance of the space mutants, is all based on season one Simpsons horseshit. Yes. And and, and this this game, like it even puts it on the box because technically in terms of Simpsons references, McBain hasn't, hasn't been mentioned. Bart doesn't have a ton of friends. Lisa has no friends. We don't. We may not even know the name of her teacher. I would say the 18th most famous Simpsons thing, <laughs> the Space Mutants, and uh, this game reflects that. And it's about all you'd have to remember that. It kind of had those like proto Kodos and Kings. Right. That was like they had arms and legs and one eye, and they would show up like at the beginning and when you died. Development uh, obviously started before the second season of The Simpsons because yeah. there's no Kodos and Kane. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? And welcome back to our final segment where we're not going to waste any time padding out this bit before I hit the button. I know I do that a lot, but we have a pretty short list of games to get to. And I, you know, quick, give us your Ocean Wells, Tony. Come on, fill in that time. It wasn't my Ocean Wells, it was my Mank. <laughs> also, I mean, seen Mank. I don't know that I, that's not what Mank sounds I'm like. I'm going to get really drunk at this party and puke on Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> I'm going to puke in defense of socialism. <laughs> uh, Saga Frontier Remastered is a remaster oh. of an impenetrable game that I never played in its original form. <laughs> but was always told, like, you know what? It's really hard to get into, and it meanders, and it doesn't give you much direction, but it's amazing. Trust me. And it's like, I'm not sure that I like JRPGs enough to, to trust Man, we it. We all got 80 that. hours we have to yeah. burn, right? Mm -hmm. Might as well be something. 
Yeah, I do I like so. him enough, and it is on my like ever-growing list of like when I finish this RPG, I'll play this one next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because I, I, I'm like I always kind of have an RPG going on in the background, you know. And that's that's I on appreciate that list. Square continuing to do these remasters with these classic JRPGs. They've they've done several now, and I'm not I'm leaving out Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm just talking like yeah, they keep bringing these back, and it's like, oh yeah, I never got around to the Saga series. I probably mm. should. Or not. Why? <laughs> I can who's who's putting any pressure on you? Uh, Canon Brawl is on Switch. And uh, is it Teresa Duringer? Who's, yeah, who's... Teresa Duringer, our friend who was on an uh, episode of EGA a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, pimp, not pimping, but we, we made a race for the Galaxy Top 5. Like, cause she really did in real life bug the maker of her favorite board game to make a video game version yeah. of that. I, I think the top 5 was wanted. elevated fan games. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> games that eventually became canon. <laughs> And Cannon Brawl, I hadn't heard of it before, but it's, I think it exists on other platforms, great reviews, but hit Switch, and it was just sort of fun to see, you know, a friend of the show publish their first console game. Neat. Yay, all right. Switch game, sorry. Yeah, and Shadow Man Remastered? I didn't even know this was happening, but I watched a video of it, and it's just like, yeah, this looks about how I remember Shadow Man looking back in the day, but... Well, I'm not convinced it is happening. Like, all the, the release date sites say the PC version is coming this week, and yet no one is talking about it recently, and that's always a bad sign, so... Well, what are you going to do? Review it? It didn't get <laughs> good reviews at the time. <laughs> it was, yeah, was alright. I played a grand total... I think I played a grand total of, like, 45 minutes, because I have the N64 cart, and I remember, like, before I... It was, like, before I moved out, like, as an adult, being, like, my little brother and I were, like, let's stay up all night. And play like a random N64 game, and we're like, all right, Shadow Man. <laughs> and 45, 45 minutes later, we just went to bed. <laughs> Is this the one that's notorious for the marketing campaign where it's like you got, like, something with a gravestone, right? Yeah, or maybe I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, and, and Acclaim was running a bunch of notorious marketing campaigns around this time. Like, there was also one that's like, e- either name your baby Turok or change your name to Turok. Mm-hmm. And right. then, yeah, yeah, I think that other one was like put Shadow Man on your tombstone uh, in yeah. real life. Um, yeah, it was and get yes. what in return? Like a free copy of the game? No thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, well, listen, my dead. niece Turok is currently top of her class. Okay, <laughs> can you imagine being cursed to remember Turok more than us? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I need more space in my brain hard drive. Trust me. I wish I could get rid of all my Turok information based on a gold key comic. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wish well, I could get it, that out of there. Wasn't it like based on pulp novels originally? Like, I, I don't, I don't read books without pictures. Mm. But yeah, yeah, Shadow Man uh, was Shadow like Man. one of that. Th- there were like so- a few games like put out by a claim that like, uh, went from like N64 to PlayStation to Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. Um, I, I do remember enjoying it back in the day, like playing it on N64 and like, yeah, this is pretty fun introducing me to the Shadow Man character, which I had never read the comics before that. And it's like this idea of, uh, Michael Leroy, who's like a, a voodoo private eye who can shift into the spirit world and, uh, the who's Shadow hold, Man knows. Who's holding a skull on the cover the same way Sonic holds a Chaos Emerald. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing yeah. I think of when I see the name of this game is, I think it's like the Mad TV Chris Angel sketch. <laughs> just walking around, just going like, 
Do you know? I know the shadow knows. My <laughs> freak. Just, my shadow knows. Oh no, that's a different old timey comic character. Got it. it okay, so another Orson Welles for Tony to do. <laughs> That's right. I'm the Shadow Man. I'm being remastered, or am I? <laughs> but yeah, like the remastered, I would I would say loosely. Like it when I say it looks like you remember, I mean uh, most N64 era games probably look a lot worse than you remember. So this is like it yeah. looks like you remember on modern televisions at modern resolutions, yeah. and doesn't I, I think, look like I shit. Think, uh... We got to talk about this eventually in some show. That that term remastered gets thrown around way too much and has way too broad a definition depending on the game. It's like some games are just like, yeah, we made it work on future platforms. I'm like, yeah. that's not really a remaster. Well, you made Shadow it work. Man you made it run at a at a high consistent frame rate. Um, if they did, like that's yeah. the thing. I don't I don't know, but it looks anyway. alright. Yeah, I, when I hear remaster, I always assume at least better resolution. Give me better resolution. Yeah. And the last thing in here is not a game, but if it is noteworthy to uh, game fans, is um, Ask Iwata is a book that uh, just hit the market. And it is, instead of Iwata Asks, it's a little play on that. Uh, this is a series of interviews. My understanding is it's like interviews he had done with a, a magazine. He was like good friends with a writer at a magazine in Japan. And they kind of compiled all those and then interwove them with some stories of a very unique individual who, who ran Nintendo for several years and... Um, by all accounts was kind of you know soft-spoken like uh didn't really get out and do a lot of thing interviews he he interviewed other people you know mm-hmm. with with his water ass yeah the, or, those a lot of ass things were a fucking amazing and it's like it's sort of the first time in nintendo history they started publicly talking about things like this but in many ways he was kind of like a hero of early nintendo like there's stories about him saving games just like because he was like a genius programmer that's like oh well, yeah i can i can fit all yeah, that on this cart is it was I think Earthbound might have been one of the ones Balloon Fight, Balloon Fight. That's mm-hmm. yeah. He he stayed and just like found some programming shortcut or something. Yeah. Like stayed after yeah. hours to make it work. I think I heard he did he did some work on Earthbound too. He 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 touched a lot of games there at Nintendo before he kind of yeah. eventually became the CEO at a relatively young age. And then of course he died at a tragically young age, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. sometime in his fifties, I want to say. But uh, yeah, Ask Iwata is out there now. Um, it's on Kindle and you know hard hardbound book. So uh, really go check the, it out. Uh, the jelly to Miyamoto's peanut butter, really, if mm. you will. Yeah, yeah you, you can't have. Uh... A gif of the 3DS spitting out cash without <laughs> Awada and Miyamoto together. Uh, it prints money. <laughs> Still love those the Muppets or the the, the, uh, the Reggie and Awada Muppets. Which oh, is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just that that's that shot of him from I think it was Tropical Freeze or J- Donkey Kong Returns, which is him holding that banana. <laughs> that's an NFT that someone needs to be making right now. <laughs> Uh, well, if it, if I know anything about Nintendo, give it seven years. They'll jump on. They'll jump on whatever trend. Uh, give that's it seven when it's years. the Nintendo fungible tokens. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Well, speaking of Nintendo, news. 
great transition, Michael. Credit you, where it is due. Uh, so Indeed. yeah, Nintendo uh, held a Nintendo Indie World event this week where they, they announced a lot of stuff. I don't know if the Nindy's name is dead. They no longer use it, but it wasn't showcased it is, here. This was it is stupid. <laughs> I like Nindy's. Nindy's is fine. I know, but it, it, it's just Nintendo celebrating something everybody else had been doing for a decade. And one of the things I didn't, I, I had in my notes that I forgot to mention, the ways the 3DS almost failed. Did I? I can't remember if I mentioned it that Nintendo wouldn't allow you to publish a game on 3DS if your address was your home and not it had to be a commercial address to know you're serious. We don't want any rapscallions on this platform, and yeah, like basically defeated the purpose of having indies on their platforms on their previous system. Mm. My only comment on the Nindies name is a simple joke, and that is Nindies nuts. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I should I should find a rim shot and put oh, that in later. Yeah. Just for you. I time. actually there was there was quite a lot uh, that I that I enjoyed from this particular showcase. What would um, you like? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to run down it, but tell 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 me your highlights. I like thinking about Fez again. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. That was yeah, cool. Fez yeah, coming. Fez coming. Uh, that's that's a cool port to be making. Um, I'm not. It's not it's not my thing, but uh the longing being a switch port is kinda neat. Like that that's a very like, you know, cult hit kind of game and that's kinda cool. Um they showed off more Chris Tales, gave that a release date. I don't know if I don't know if y'all are following that game, but I, I have been a huge so fan of Chris excited. Tales. I, yeah, I, it is I, super I saw that cool. game way back in the day and then played it. Uh, they had that demo yeah. on the Steam, yeah. like Steam events have have done a couple yeah. of things. So for those I guess not familiar, it's it's an RPG where you can like you're like shifting you're like time traveling to like modern to present past and future but you also do that in combat yes to like age up age down yourself and enemies it's super cool and and it's kind of in real time where it's like a split screen where one part of the screen will be in the past one part's in the future and one part's in the present and it's uh it's a beautiful game stylistically too it looks like chris if like mary blair Blair designed the game The famous mural, uh, she did murals at Disneyland and then designed Small the, World. Small World. Yeah. 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 That's good call. Um, then, uh, the second game I wrote down, you wrote down as well here, Matt. Getsu Fumaden, the Konami oh, yeah. game. So what of, what are the more unusual announcements? Uh, Konami of this, game? Of, well, oh, here's the thing. So Konami made a game, guys. <laughs> what do you think you it like is? like Konami games? Right. That's, yeah, it could have been Metal Gear. It's not. What, what other Konami games? Give, give me some Konami games you want them to bring, bring Castlevania. Sharded nope. Soldier. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Clone of two, you, bitch. What if I told you you would get an exclusive reboot of a 1987 Japan-only Famicom game Getsu Fumaden Undying Moon, baby! Getsu Fumaden? No. Is it a I didn't actually realize this was a... I did not realize this was a remake, because I'm unfamiliar. I just thought it it's, looked it's pretty cool. It's a reboot. Cool. It technically is reboot, a sequel, sorry, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, it's reinvigorating a brand that died in 87, apparently. It's a hack-and-slash roguelite uh, where you will fight huge bosses across, across a dark fantasy Japan. Uh, and it's even more unusual... It's coming to early access on PC, and then it's going to launch on PC and Switch in 2022. So not only is Konami back with a Vigi game, they're launching an early access game, of all things. They've forgotten how to make games. they got to <laughs> dip a toe in first. Well, speaking of Konami, they, they also showed a game that used to be Konami, no longer is. Uh, Tribute Games showed off more of that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's mm-hmm. Revenge and confirmed mm-hmm. that is coming to Switch. So and I finally learned how to pronounce that developer's name. Apparently, it's uh, Dotemu. 
Wow. I was saying like, .emu. Yeah, yeah I was thought it was dot .emu, but yeah. in the in the showcase they said .dotemu. So I was like, I was, okay, I, was I, I was just finishing up a URL for emus. Was that was that this year's like Mo Yang versus Mo Jang moment? Maybe I guess yeah. I, I love that studio. I believe they are uh, some of their most prominent members are former Ubisoft people who previously worked on the Scott Pilgrim game and the GBA mm-hmm. TMNT game, which was the really secret good one. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another good game series that is now getting kind of a new version. I don't, have you guys ever played the Ollie Ollie games? Yeah, I'm I love the Ollie Ollie games. They're fucking they're like, hard. They're like those, way. it's like platforming skateboarding, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new game coming called Ollie Ollie World, uh, same dev, roll seven, and instead of just being pure platforming, there's like some side missions and stuff where you can like stop and talk to residents of the world, and it just seems like bigger uh, than any of the other Tony Ollie Ollie games. Tony Hawk 4 then, I see. <laughs> Oh yeah. I don't know I don't know of a clever way to make this segue, but Okay. Ollie Ollie, and then they also announced Oxen Free. Oxen Free too. Too. Yeah. Um, Oxen Free too, Lost Signal, baby. Oxenfree is a really cool game. I didn't think they were going to revisit it. I thought they were just kinda, you know, making uh sort of uh standalone things as a studio, but I guess not. Um yeah, because they made that so after in. after life, after right? party, after party, oh, yeah, the one I where think, you go to hell. Oh, so yeah, you drink with I, the devil. Is it, is it what's the night school? Is that the name of the studio? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, so. night school uh, studios. They um, yeah, like I just thought they were you know just kind of taking those their their game design forward and and, and just iterating on it each time, not necessarily doing sequels. But uh, it looks super cool. Like the Oxenfree has has what I thought was a really cool dialogue system. Uh, yeah. it had a, it has a really cool ramp up narratively of just like, let's hang out on this island. Whoa, supernatural. Uh, and I'm really excited to see more of that. Gives me strong X-Files vibes for some reason, but like mm. with, uh, I think they're meant to be like teenage kids, right? On, on yeah. The yeah. Cause I think the first game is like the, it's like just before they graduate high school or something like that. Something it, like it's that. It's been a while. It's X-Files um, meets One Crazy Summer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. There you go. So There's really looking summer. forward to that. And then the other notable one that for me was uh, this game called Skull with just one L. Uh, you're a little skeleton and you change abilities by like putting on different heads, which is I'm that's a fun, oh, that's that's a fun cool. mechanic. I mean, that's all I needed. More games yeah. starring skeletons. Thank Skull you. the Hero yep. Slayer. Satisfy at least the, the conditions of two previous top fives. Games where you play yes. as skeletons <laughs> and games where you have a removable head. I can't yes. believe you didn't call this one out, though, Tony. One I'm personally excited about. We're getting a House of the Dead remake coming out. What the fuck is that? For Switch, so I'm guessing... Has there been like a light, a good light gun port for Switch that I'm not aware of? Mm, not that I can think of. Yeah. Don't think so. I honestly don't know enough about how the Joy-Cons work. Like, can you use them as a remote like the Wiimote, yeah. or is it yeah. just yeah. the... Yeah, They're, they work way better than the Wii Motion Plus Indeed. or anything else like that. Yeah. Which is why we need another Wario game, Nintendo. Get on it. Come on. Yeah. Just make a They'll gun, make gun make uh, sleeve for one of them, something like that. You think yeah, we will? Yeah. Um, that's a uh, serious question. I mean, they someone's they've do done that, it. Right? They did it for for Wii. Uh, with yeah. that that horrible the the Wii zapper was just like a clunky piece of shit that was oh over designed to not look like a gun. Yeah, it right. looked more like a fucking lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And well, you had the wasn't there a PSVR zapper as well for that one game? I, I there, uh, Farpoint, I yeah, know, was a shooter. Play, I, I think move. it had a gun. thing. Yeah, it did. It did have a gun attachment for the move, and it yeah. was it again did not look anything like a right. gun. No, no, it did not. It looked like a <laughs> no, it looked like a women's bicycle. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. 
Well, to me, it looked almost like something you'd seen like a Pilates class. Yeah. It's got this like weird design. Like, Squidward's going to pedal around on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all the Nintendo, the indie world, no longer the Nindies. Um, this next story kind of goes places. Uh, so bear with me. A, a lot was announced, but uh, so Bloomberg had a report. Oh, uh, here come here comes the Jace Jace. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. Here comes the Jace Jace. We're done. Let's move on. <laughs> it's always I Jason Schreier. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see. I, I get it. I what? see. I'm He's a good dude. A Schreier joke. Uh, but no, one of the reports was that um, there's developers who are a little unhappy at some of Sony Studios because the Sony right now their their new focus is on just big international blockbuster hits and they've actually said like we are no longer going to make games that just make money here in japan um and so a few weeks or months ago they they did some restructuring in their japanese studios and and uh yeah i think they were putting they're recentering it focusing everything about like the astrobot team is kind of the new head of that studio but then there's there's studios such as you know their santa monica studio uh, naughty dog like those are the people getting a lot of the resources but anyway as part of this story uh, it turns out that there was a smaller team that was started up that um, they were like kind of like a support studio for Sony that uh, I'm trying to find the name of this team. One second. Visual Arts Service Group was was kind of the, the support studio for Sony. That, that is stem- one of the most Japanese developer <laughs> names I've ever heard in my life. But it's English. It's, it's, so Michael Mombauer was, was the guy heading oh, okay. up. And it, it was kind of a small team. And they started to work on a Last of Us remake. Um, and then... After a while, Sonny's like, you know, uh, it was kind of like a skunk words project though, where no one, no one really knew about it. And then Sonny's like, Hey, this is costing us too much. And they kind of put it on the back burner. And then they decided to give the project back to Naughty Dog. So this is the, the work on this, the, the last of us remake, which again was a 2013 game, uh, started with a different with a team, very and, recent PS five patch. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and got handed back to its original developers as they were still working on the last of us part two is my understanding from reading this story. Um, and, but it was kind of like a lot of people were like, well, wait, it's too soon for a last of us remake. That's sort of the, the most of the conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of conversations to stem out of this, but the big one was why I, I played last of us remastered right before two and couldn't really tell the difference. Yeah. And I mean, there is a difference, but not a huge one. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It just wasn't very drastic. You notice those things more in cutscenes. It ran beautifully as a in the gameplay in all versions. Yeah, uh, I played them back to back. So like, that's the the only the only thing I say. Trust me, I have the definitive viewpoint on. I'm sure it looks better on a PS5, but it like by how much and. Last of Us Two made that game series. How do you go back and play that over and over again? Yeah, and and not to just belabor a point that like every other internet commenter has brought up, but like there, are, if you're going to just remake something, there's a long list of other things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that that yeah. would that make far more sense to to go back to. Yeah, I, I, I will say filter. it's not music to my ears to hear all the people. It's like, why don't you make Metal Gear Solid instead? Like, because Sony doesn't own that. That's why. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> they do own Bloodborne. Cough, cough. <laughs> the one thing that kind of makes sense to me, though, is there is that HBO series being worked on. And so there is some speculation, like, maybe they're going to use those Dude, actors' likenesses in the remake. There's an HBO show and a movie and still in active development. Hmm. What is what? Which is which? What are we doing here? Oh, I might have gotten them confused. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of the movie. Which one has Pedro Pascal? No, no, Pascal no. I, I, I had to look. I had to look twice. There is a 
movie and an HBO series in simultaneous development. What the fuck? Right so, now. Pedro Pascal is the HBO series. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're going to get a little Street Fighter 2, the movie action. Huh? Hey, uh-huh. look at that. Maybe not. That'd be great. <laughs> the Last of Us, the Last of Us 2, the two Joels. Um. <laughs> a tale of two Joels. Tale of two Joels. <laughs> uh, the head of PlayStation Studios, Herman Holst, who formerly uh, headed up Guerrilla Games, he deemed that project too expensive, kind of put it on the back burner. He then assigned that small studio to be a support studio for Last of Us 2, and then to kind of, after that, add insult to injury, put Naughty Dog, who they were then supporting, on that remake project. Um, it also... Through this, I don't know how this came about. Um, part of this report, though, says Sony Bend, who uh, put out Days Gone in 2019, um, they, in this time, were also pitching for a sequel to Days Gone 2 that apparently got rejected. Um, and then, so instead, they got assigned to work on some Naughty Dog projects, uh, one being the multiplayer game that everyone presumes to be that standalone Last of Us multiplayer mode that was supposed to come with two and then they separated it and made its own thing and then they're they were working on an uncharted project uh which is also rumored apparently a lot of the staff at bend were unhappy with that and this is all in this bloomberg report and so who knows how much this is true or not it's, but it's um, an interesting uh, tale of how to like completely demoralize a very creative studio and right because they, days gone was great uh, michael i know you love days gone oh i right? did yeah but apparently there, there's a silver lining. There's a good good ending here for that studio is now they're working on a new game uh, as yet unannounced. We don't know if it's Days Gone 2. We don't know if it's a new IP or whatever, but they're working on their own thing. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I'm sad, I'm sad that there won't be any more Days Gone. Like, I, I did think that was like a pretty good self-contained story, but, uh, you know. Well, apparently the sequel... Um, so the guy who was like there at the time who has since left the studio, he, he came out and said that um, it was going to have co-op modes and kind of like a shared universe where it's like, okay, yeah, now you're living in this zombie apocalypse with other people and, and helping each other. So I don't know. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah, you know. All for things that are not very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> God knows we don't have enough uh, co-op games with zombies in them. Yep. yep. Can't get that anywhere. Nope. My word. Can't get it this summer in a Zack Snyder Netflix movie. God, that looks good. It does uh, look like a lot of fun. I, it, it is hard for me, though, when I read about all this stuff, is like, as someone who quite enjoys those big budget, the games that like are the subject of this thing of like, I love everything Naughty Dog's putting out. It's just kind of <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't have any complaints. I like what the, the end result is of all this, you know, yeah. so... I just, I just don't understand the need for a, a Last of Us remake at this point. Like, yeah, I, I think it, there's something about Sony applying its resource, like multi-year, hundreds of people to remaking a game that looks fucking fine. I was trying to remember Michael, and because I talked about like, well, technically, Shadow of the Colossus was separated by two generations, right? Between the mm-hmm. the original PS2, yeah, but if and you then think it about had it, the, the, the PS2 and PS3 versions were not playable on current gen at the time, PS4. Uh, all PS4 games are playable on PS5, and The Last of Us 1 is very playable on PS4 and PS5. Yeah, I mean, okay, almost all. Fact. Almost all PS4 games. Now you're just calling out because Sony made a decision this PS5 generation to support backwards compatibility that they didn't for the last generation. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. But, okay, think of it, though. So, it, the original Shadow of the Colossus was 2005, mm-hmm. right? 
Then there was the remaster on PS3. I don't even remember when the remaster was. And then the remake for PS4 was what, 2018? Was that a tw- Something like that, yeah. Or maybe Sounds maybe familiar. a 2019, so 14 years apart, right? Mm-hmm. So in this one, yeah, we're only talking... Okay, by the time this comes out, let's say it's 2022. Yeah, Last of Us, Last of Us came out as the last gasp of the PS3. And it yeah, was remastered right. pretty immediately. Like within a year or two. Yeah, it, it was almost disappointing because you could it, like they were still charging sixty dollars for the PS3 when it was that new. I guess what I'm saying though is there will be about nine years separation between when it originally came out and then this remake. So it's not as it. it this is kind of like when people freaked out about like how could you do new Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield already? You just had Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. It's just like they don't care if they can and make we were money right. doing it. And those movies were terrible yeah. and they were abandoned. <laughs> And, but but it's like we just use the term remastered for something like Shadow Man, which is something that needs a facelift very badly to be presented in a modern way, whereas mm-hmm. Last of Us doesn't. In fact, I would bet there are controversial things that will go missing as a result of it being remastered that will just incense fans and, and demand that you – because there's no, just no reason to do that yet. It feels like. Yeah. Sorry, I, I think I put remaster in the notes. They're calling it a remake, right. which is interesting. Oh, to me. I mean, yeah, unless yeah. they're doing like an expanded multiplayer or something like that, because I know that that was something a lot of fans felt, you know, de- decried. It's like, why isn't this coming back? Bring back the multiplayer. That was great. It's, Sony's just one of the few devs who have used the remaster term very appropriately, from Demon Souls to Shadow of the Colossus. Like, holy yeah. shit, this mm. is. This is what a remaster should look like, but it, you're right. They're all and even then, remakes. those are technically both remakes because yeah, <laughs> they were from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean that was a. They got a lot of buzz around, and I think a lot of people were excited. Like, hey, ooh, perhaps there will be a Days Gone too, but it seems like that project is not getting off the ground at least anytime soon. But we don't know. Uh, last story here, written by a guy by the name of uh, Let's see. Taylor Wold at PC Gamer. Do you guys know? Oh, Tyler Wild. Tyler oh, Wild. I've heard wrote of an article. <laughs> um, so you know all those free games Epic has been giving you mm-hmm. uh, and everyone. Yes. Yeah, well, losing they're, they're losing about three hundred thirty million dollars. <laughs> I was going to say, are they are they just saying like, whoa, we didn't mean to give those away. You owe us money now. <laughs> no, I think they're well. Oh, aware. I would owe them so much you've, money. You've taken how many games? Oh my god. You take one candy from the Halloween bowl. One. <laughs> it's it's to the tune of three hundred and thirty million dollars. Um, basically, it costs them a lot more than that. And this, I think, that's only the difference of like how much they didn't yeah. make up with sales. Because this is a combination of the free games they've given out, but also the exclusives they've the exclusives signed they've been to be on their platform. Where it's something like I think I've, I've read in this article like they put out like. $444 million to third-party developers. Wow. Yeah, so so that has yeah. not been recouped. <laughs> but it, it, it should show you how much money is on the line if Epic Store gets even a minor foothold in the Steam market. That, 33, that $330 million a loss is a drop in the bucket. It's difficult to fathom and almost makes me irritated. I'm hungry. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it shows you like how much they're making on Fortnite, that they can afford to do this. But it also shows yeah. you... like. If you're going to come at the king, if you're going to go after Steam, it is going to cost you a ton of money to try to get your foot in that door. Because that's all this ever was, was like a play to be like, yeah, we're going to build up a competing platform to Steam, a competing storefront. And to do that, they gave you free games or they paid developers minimum guarantees for exclusives, uh, timed exclusives on their platform uh, a lot of the time. Uh, to the tune of four hundred and forty-four million dollars, like here you go. Uh, 
hopefully people will come and buy it on our platform. And so far, I think it said they made back, they've made back like 200 something million of that. So far, they've spent, uh, Epic said players have spent 700 million on the Epic Store in 2020, but that the third party games only accounted for 265 million of that spending. And by the way, the the way we know all of this is the Apple lawsuit. Like they, they had to put out some financial disclosures as part of that. So we have that to thank for, this insight into what's going on. Although, uh, it looks like Epic's okay with it. I saw some interviews with, um, where they're just like, yeah, this is what we expected. This is what we knew would happen and how much it would cost. So it's not like so, they're just spending blindly, you know? Their storefront is their loss leader, basically. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre yeah. to think about. It's their console. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and I, it seems to be working. Like it's, it's, you know, I, I think. I've gotten more codes for Epic Game Store than I have for Steam in recent is it, years. Is it though? How many? I'm going to use my high voice here, and no one has to answer. This can be rhetorical, <laughs> but how many of you organically enter the Epic Store and buy a game you can get literally anywhere else? I will say, I honestly, as a consumer, I am opening up the Epic Game Store at least as often as Steam. Are you buying? Are you uh, taking free games or? <laughs> yeah, I, I do it because it it has the little pop ups every time I start up my PC. It's like, hey, this is free now. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get that. Chris, yeah. could you just always be Kevin McDonald on the show? Just keep <laughs> yeah, doing just, Kevin I McDonald. I don't want to create a problem for anyone. I, I will I'm say, worst, I will say, my <laughs> my Epic Game Store library is definitely ninety five percent that kind of stuff. Mm. The, yeah. the stuff that is free, like for sure. Free. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the exclusives are another draw, like super limited. My Epic Game Store library is what most people's Steam library is, where it's all these games that I will probably never play, but hey, I, I have them. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. whereas my Steam is only like curated stuff I've purchased. But that said, as far as like what I am playing, it, it really is about 50-50 between the, the two really? storefronts. And because the bulk of what I do nowadays, well, I shouldn't say the bulk, but a good chunk of what I do is, you know, a press code. Um, a lot of them come through Epic Game Store nowadays. So mm. for me, it is kind of split in that way. That's and of wild. course, that's just that's anecdotal. That's just me. Um, it, part of that may also just be because I, until really last year, was not particularly a big PC gamer just because of, uh, what was available to me, uh, as my machine, you know, it wasn't quite up to par, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just in a, in a minority in that way and that I do use them equally. I, no, I, I mean, I, I open it up. I'm kind of like what Michael was saying. Like I opened the Epic store quite a bit to get, to log in get my free games and then i will look to see if anything's on sale maybe to buy it you know but uh yeah i mean so it's i guess changing my behavior in that way because that's really their goal is like yeah they they just need to get you in that store and there are yeah. enough people that they'll, they'll look at conversion rates to be like yeah enough people would then buy something else it's like yeah it's like when mcdonald's puts stuff on sale that's not because mcdonald's was, is being I was, nice I was just about to say it's to get you in the door it's the exact same, like, fill out your receipt, get a two-for-one, you know, quarter pounder with cheese or whatever. You know, because yeah. when you buy something on Epic Game Store, like, half the time, they give you, like, a $15 credit for the next thing you're going to buy. Right. Right. Yeah, so if they can get you in that door and in that ecosystem and spending money, like, that's okay. The, the Your value as a long-term customer is a thing called lifetime value. Your lifetime value to them should more than make up for this loss and it looks like i think the disclosure said like they're looking to lose money through like 2027 on that store so well they're in it for the long haul i I would buy stock in Fortnite then (laughs) (laughs) so by the time we have our next awful series of like 
primaries, and by the time that starts up again, or I guess it's we, two cycles from by, now. By the but, time we have yeah. our first president born after the creation of Fortnite. Um. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> by the time President Ninja is sworn in. Uh, I was born a banana player. I'll die a banana player here in the South. <laughs> <laughs> he apparently is a, he lost his number one uh, sub spot on on Twitch I saw recently. Uh I don't recall the name of the person that passed him but Ninja is no longer the number one sub channel on Twitch. Gasp. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel old saying remember when he went to Mixer? <laughs> he was the he's, Mixer exclusive for a he's while. He's replaced by a person whose name I don't recognize. I don't follow streaming that closely, is but the guy you know, he did the marathon for thing for 31 straight days? I don't think it was that guy, but, uh, it, but you know hey, it, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it is a big whatever for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, good for that person for getting a new record, but, like, that's... the Gaming, like, the general gaming news world is a totally separate world from streaming, and both are totally separate from esports. Like, those are two, those are three yeah. very different that's worlds. True. That's true. <laughs> and they do, of course, overlap very much, but they are very different spheres. It, it's much like how, like, yeah, there's the core traditional video game industry and then there's the mobile game industry and these things are similar yeah. but very different so. yeah all right that's all the news is fit to play all right well let's move on to the community segment which is always a segmenting our community last week's question of the week was do you prefer when video game movies hew as close to their source material as possible or when they do something original uh, Tony, you weren't here last week. Do you have an opinion on this gripping and important question? Uh, no, I come on podcasts to not give opinions. Awesome. Uh, please proceed. <laughs> uh, nice I mean, honestly, and safe. It's, it, this is a very, it's, this is a very middle of the road answer, but truly, as long as it's a good movie, I don't care. Hmm. Um, I just want it to be a good movie. And, so, you, so know, you don't like video game movies? Games, well, I mean, so here's the thing. <laughs> fair, fair point. Games and movies are two very different mediums. The way stories are told are yeah. very different. But there's been stuff I've enjoyed, like um, a couple of years ago, the Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander. Honestly, not bad. It's a very passable action I always movie. forget that exists. I have um, not seen it's, it. It's totally fine. Um, mm. And it very closely mirrors the, the first of the reboot. So, like, that's enjoyable. Um, I'm struggling to think of an, op- an example of the other side of that where they just... Did something based on the material? Uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Yeah, I mean, well, there's that. But, I mean, I'm saying, like, one that I would say is a good movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Detective Angry Pikachu. Birds too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> um, but as long as it's a good movie, I, I, I don't care. You know? Okay. Like, I, I just want to see a good movie. Like, I am I am as much a movie buff as I am a, a video game critic. So, I uh, as long as it's good, I don't care. All right. Well, uh, on VideoGameApocalypse.com, Laser Time Rules says, It depends on the game. For something like, say, Resident Evil, there's enough story that a straight adaptation would work fine. Conversely, something like Mario Brothers would probably work better with a loose adaptation with elements from the game, since Mario really has no story. Okay, is this a troll? Because, like, the two examples he gave are both like, okay, the Resident Evil movies exist, and they don't just follow the plot, and then... The Mario Brothers, there is an example of a Mario Brothers movie that did the opposite and mm-hmm. was not good. I mean, listen, the Resident Evil movies are absolute garbage as well. <laughs> I know, I know Chris has many thoughts on that. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge Resident Evil fan, period, but like the movies are complete and utter deviations from the worst director working now. Yeah. Who, who apparently also works with the worst editors because those fight sequences are unintelligible. Yeah, man. Mm. Not a fan. Yeah. 
I hear the animated ones are all right, but I have not watched hmm. any of those. I think huh. those come from Japan, which is probably why. Yeah. Well, from the official Laser Time community on Facebook, Vincent Goodwin says, My big thing is not inventing new primary characters for the adaptation. Yeah. The new Mortal Kombat movie supposedly focuses on a character not from the games entering the Mortal Kombat tournament. If you feel you need an audience surrogate, just use Liu Kang or Johnny Cage or Sonya or Jax or even an amnesiac Sub-Zero as a rookie. Don't make someone new who's not in the IP. It may end up being a good movie, but it's putting a bad foot forward. Mm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of video game movies feel the need to do this. Stop. Stop with it's the audience true, surrogate true, but bullshit. Like- I know whenever they like make it hasn't happened that often whenever they make a fighting game movie people are disappointed because they end up like electing a western figurehead of the of the franchise mm-hmm. and it rubs people the wrong way so I am now thinking like what about a, like a Mortal Kombat tournament from a bystander's perspective is not uninteresting to me and I did not know, you know yeah. this at all about the new Mortal Kombat movie but but from a bystander's perspective sure but not from like someone who's entering the tournament a new original character in which case yeah, you get, dumb. you know, Alice that's from really Resident dumb. Evil vibes. Like, oh, you're creating your own Gary Stew or Mary Sue and yeah. entering them into the tournament. I'm sure that's what they're telling you in the reveal at the end of the movie is it was Cyrax all along. I was about was- to say they, they have not made any comment about Johnny Cage so far with mm-hmm. the movie. They, and they, didn't I'm- they say they were saving him for a sequel? I don't even know if they said that much. So, like, I expect, like, either kind of what Chris was saying, where, like, this guy is just, like, you know, they tell him, you you need a more Hollywood name. Like, call yourself this. Or <laughs> you should yeah. go by your middle name, Robin. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or it's just, uh, you know. Well, or he does it's just, play a cage fighter. Just going to throw that yeah. out there. Mm. Yeah. Or or Johnny Cage is, like, the credits sting, you know. Like, I, mm. like they're, I, I don't think he's just an audience surrogate. I think they're trying to do something else with him that they're just not Could telling be. us. He hits this I'm guy not in the balls. anymore. Call me, call me Borach. He's going to, at the end of the movie, like, yeah, Cole's going to just, like, uh, pose and look at the camera and put on sunglasses and say, I'm Duke Nukem. <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna it's gonna suddenly start playing backwards and he'll uh-huh. he'll say he's noob Cybot. <laughs> yes, that damn it, that's what I was going for. Daniel's dead. No, the name show is pretty funny. <laughs> the name is Ermac. <laughs> no, the biggest twist would just he's he's the guy who yells Mortal Kombat. Like that's that's the secret. Is like at the end of the movie he just yells Mortal Kombat and it goes into the song. Like that's all we need. Oh, he became that unpaid extra. Yeah. I sent you that, that Slate article. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> it's great. That that guy in the beginning of the Mortal Kombat theme song was sampled from the first Mortal Monday commercial mm-hmm. and never paid for this shit. Nope. He's a, well, <laughs> well he's never a paid peer- more than day rate that he made as an extra in that commercial. No, no, he's Here's never yeah, he's never been paid again since like nineteen ninety two. But he's like he has one of the most iconic will, voice lines yeah. in gaming history. But I love that it's a text interview and they say, can you do the line? And it's this text, Mortal Kombat, period. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes, yeah, he still got it. Like, okay, we have to take your word yeah. for it. So good. <laughs> here's a, here's so a question, too. That's you how know gullible this it. guy is. <laughs> if you know they're going to do it, how do they use the toasty line in the movie? Like, you know they're going to. Um, Ooh, I, yeah. bet it'll, I bet it'll be a brand of, it'll be a brand of toaster hidden in the background. I was going to say, it's going to be something dumb like that, where like a character gets their breakfast, and they're like, ooh, Toasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that should have been way harder to execute. God damn it, I love yeah. Toasty. Yeah. <laughs> just like a oh. smash cut to the next scene, and yeah, it's just somebody eating breakfast, and now, Toasty! 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Julia Child in the flashback. <laughs> toasty. Oh, toasty. <laughs> All right, there's our sketch, Julia Child and Mank having a conversation. Oh, it's not Jesus. the best Oscar year for that. Damn, we're just a couple years yeah. Julia, I need a bagel, please, with locks. Uh, that's much closer. That's pretty good. Yeah. Very good horse and well. Brian Stafford says, since the uh, storytelling devices and overall pacing are drastically different between movies and video games, I feel... I feel the original stories make the best adaptations. If the core of the game is kept, but uh, places that characters, uh, those characters in a new or adapted situation, that feels uh, that fits good movie story uh, telling. Good movie storytelling better than than I'm usually satisfied with the adaptation. Uh, with that said, one uh, adaptation trope that needs to be abandoned at all costs is the bringing a fantastical character to the real world element. Mm, it didn't amen. work for He Man. It barely worked for Sonic. If the universe is too expensive or complicated to create in reality, then just go make it an animated movie instead. Boom, yep. Brian. Uh, He-Man, I Sonic, could, I could Smurfs. not agree more. Yeah. So uh, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> they always I, I refuse to watch that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's totally not bad. It is, well, it's okay. I don't believe it's, you. I don't, it's okay. I don't want to do it. It falls exactly into what Brian's talking about here. I have no <laughs> Did you like the chipmunks? No, no. Okay, but, well, it's better than the chipmunks, dude. Have you guys seen the guy who slowed down the chipmunk records? <laughs> Patton Oswald. Oh I, no, it's a whole. I don't remember. It's called like Acid Chipmunks or something. It's it's cause, surreal because to make them work, they had to do them in a lower key, right? Yeah, to be yeah. sped up, and it's amazing. It's the it's so that, cool. That that has some serious like uh, two pines lone pine mall energy, and then yeah. it's just like nobody knew this. Like, no, everybody knew this. Yeah, yeah but it's still it, but still just hear it yeah. is a but, lot but, of fun. But you know that that is something kind of unique though, because like not everyone has records record players now, and that's kind of what you yeah. need to. Get that Christmas, yeah. Christmas time is here. <laughs> it, well, it, it is surreal because it's very, it's they're, it's very singers that sound very bored, right? Yeah, very, yeah. very bored because mm-hmm. um, yeah, they have to sing it right. slow and low, mm-hmm. and then they speed it up and it sounds yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, so uh, question uh, answers from Twitter. Uh, former guest and friend of the show at Eric V Bailey says, mm-hmm. "I'd rather have a unique spin, but I understand why studios might be more reluctant to go that way. You can slap the Legend of Zelda on a poster and get tons of interest, but if you put the Legend of Zelda Trial of the Ancients without explanation, I'm way more curious." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can well, I just yeah. say something? I already really want to see whatever Legend of Zelda Trial of the Ancients is, even though that just came out of his mind and doesn't exist. Yeah. Pretty sure that's that uh, IGN April Fool's thing. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say I saw a new Crocodile Dundee movie with Chevy Chase and John Cleese. That has to be a better title. <laughs> that's a, that, that is a very salient drama. point, though. That's a that's a salient point being made here. Uh, certainly for like it, for a fan of the existing franchise, that extra hook is gonna go a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zombie Panda says, I agree with Michael. Thank you. I think the video game movie should have their own unique take as long as it respects the source material. I'm really looking forward to Mortal Kombat and welcome a new take. The first tournament story has been told many times and it's always different. True. Fair enough. Um, we have some video responses as well. First is from Mike Amari, who says, AVJ hey, crew, Mike Amari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was, when it comes to movie adaptations of video games, do you prefer like a straight-up adaptation, or do you want something that's going to be different and bring something new to the table? Uh, for me, honestly, when it comes to adaptations, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Uh, I have nothing against having something that's going to be new to an adaptation, adding something to it. 
Uh, it's not often an author gets a second crack or another writer gets a second crack at a story. And there are some great examples of adaptations that were really improved because of changes that were made, uh, usually coming from the world of books or comics or things like that. Uh, one of my favorite adaptations is from a Stephen King story called Secret Window. Uh, was made into a Johnny Depp movie. And the ending for that movie was so much better than the ending to the book. Um, the same thing with Fellowship of the Ring. I love the Lord of the Rings books, but I love the adaptation of Fellowship of the Ring and really the Lord of the Rings trilogy because it does the thing that an adaptation should. It takes the heart of the story and the heart of who the characters are and keeps those true to the original source material. Um, that's the key here. If you make the characters feel like and act like the characters from the story that we love, and you make the heart of the story, the point of the story, the, the reason for existence of the story the same, then it doesn't matter what you're changing around it. Um, Fellowship of the Ring is one of my favorite adaptations ever done, and they change and move and take out so many things, but it feels like the same story. It feels like those characters. And so I, I don't mind the changes. I don't mind the improvements that they make. And it becomes an enjoyable experience. So I'm okay with them changing things around and doing new things so long as the heart of the story stays intact. This was the problem with the Resident Evil movies and I'm assuming is a problem with the most recent Monster Hunter movie. Those movies just don't quite get what made the stories special. Don't quite get what made the stories the stories uh, of, of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> and just increasingly made them frustrating to watch for anyone who is familiar with the stories. Uh, thank you for being with me this week, guys. Look, and look uh, forward to being you with the you again. The executor of the Tom Bombadil estate. I can't put up with any of this. <laughs> and and I, I, for secret window fans out there, I have never, still never seen the movie. But friends of mine, we would play games. We would do the John Turturro taunt. I will burn your life. Uh, from the trailer, we said that. We said that for years, thanks to Sacred Window. I will burn your life, boy. I still haven't seen the Monster Hunter movie. I probably never will, but I will say if at least 15% of the movie is not the main characters eating stuff that cats cook for them, you have entirely missed the point of Monster Hunter. <laughs> and I swear to Christ, if anybody says the line, what are we, Monster Hunters? I will kill myself. I will kill myself seeing this movie. Seeing I this will movie enter the people. movie and kill the characters. <laughs> uh, the point about uh, keeping the characters true to who they are, like I think that's definitely a good point. Um, you know, we already talked about the Mario Brothers movie a little bit. That movie is definitely just like somebody gave them a checklist of things to include and they found out a way to make it work. Like has nothing to do with what the characters are, you know? So I, that is a good point as far as how you ought to construct these movies. Uh, and yeah, I think people, most people who make games will tell you characters are typically more important than plot mm -hmm. in a lot of mm -hmm. cases. Characters and, drive the plot. Mm -hmm. and Especially spend, in the you spend, world. You spend more time with the characters than the plot. Mm -hmm. So that's that's an incredibly important thing that doesn't necessarily translate translate well to movie because story is more than plot yes kids <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh we have another one from gallatin carhart who says good morning vga this is gallatin carhart here from extremely sunny and a little warm florida Walt Disney World, to be precise, I'm right now under the Millennium Falcon. We've been here all this week. I've done Rise of the Resistance twice. That's pretty slick. Anyways, answer to this week's question of the week. 
I'm going to sit here and say I'm cool with a director having some freedom. With a, with a director kind of playing with things. I know this is unpopular with a lot of people, but I kind of thought the uh, the first Resident Evil movie wasn't that bad. I never really watched them from there. They got a little too creative, but still, I didn't have a problem with them kind of being a little creative with things and playing with stuff. Uh, the Warcraft movie was okay. It was all right. So I'm all about play with that just a little bit. So anyways, there's my answer. Gentlemen, you all have a fabulous week. I'll see you soon. Take it easy. I forgot the World of Warcraft movie existed. Me too. Still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen the movie directed by David Bowie's son. Yeah. I've never played WoW, but I did go see that with a friend who did play a lot of WoW, and we both left there very just uh, with nothing. (laughs) With nothing to say. Like, as a player, he was like... And we were both film school buddies, too, so he was. we were both just like, that was... Sorry to disagree, uh, Gallatin. Although, may I say, you have a fantastic name, sir. Um, but yeah, I, I remember feeling just very, uh, nonplussed is not the right word, uh, but, uh, just very, uh, flat. <laughs> it was flat. That, it was flat. That, that is a perfect yeah. example of they adhered to the lore. Like, I played WoW. I read, I've read some WoW tie-in books. They got all the right characters in there. They hit all the big plot notes that you would expect, but it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was almost too expected. I think probably the problem with that movie is just the way they told the story was super bland. And yes. they didn't have any mm-hmm. star power. As much as I hate to be like, hey, put a movie star in a video game movie and that'll make it work. It's like they didn't have anyone I recognized. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. you got Thrall. He's CG. Great. Mm-hmm. Or Thrall's dad, I should say. I recall some pacing issues, too. Like you were saying, it's more so how it was told. Yeah. Like it, it, it seemed bland. like they it, – it seemed like – they just tried to cram, like I said, I don't know WoW lore at all, but it seemed like they tried to cram in as many points as possible, yeah. rather than like pick a few that would naturally work for your script, but I don't know. You yep. said WoW lore, and all I can imagine is like Owen Wilson going, WoW lore, <laughs> WoW lore. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this movie's problem is it tried to hit level 60 too fast. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, you can do what you want to do, man, but I'm going to go over here and play my blood elf. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. We have one more from Daniel Peckham. <laughs> Dueling Wilsons. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Dueling Wilson. You guys sound like the Wilson brothers. Like wow, 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 wow. Oh, I was going to do the exact same joke. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. It still would have worked. Oh, Daniel Peckham said none That's of that. So Daniel Peckham says. <laughs> wow. Answering the question of the week. You know what? I'm not sure terribly uh, between the two because I'm an ardent longtime fan of the 93 Mario Brothers movie and you and I you guys and I both know how absolutely fucking bonkers that movie is um, because quite honestly I don't I don't think there's any way to properly adapt Mario to uh, another medium it's just it's 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 too weird that being said, I'm kind of a lore hound, so I prefer if adaptations <laughs> stick closer to uh, the games they're adapting. Um, at least as far as games with decent characters and story go. I mean, I've, hell, I'm 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 the one that's pretty much spamming uh, poor Maddie and the uh, the LCC on Facebook about every little Borderlands. 
uh, news tidbit that comes out because while well, I, as as you can see, I'm a I'm a fellow Vault Hunter. I've been playing the game since almost the beginning. Um, so it's like, yeah, I I, I want to see adaptations be true to the source material and their characters. But at the same time, for other franchises, like, as as you guys mentioned, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic's story has been so fucking convoluted, you can do pretty much anything with that guy. I mean, you got the Archie comics, you got the IDW comics, you got the games, you got Sonic Adventure. You know, just fuck it, start from scratch with that guy. But for franchises like Borderlands and like Uncharted, yes, please, please stick closer to the games or at least tell a story with those characters, you know, in a in a new setting. But, you know, stick stick closer to the lore is is kind of what I'm after. All right, take care, guys. Thank you, Dad. This is my lore hound. <laughs> Marley. I'm a, I'm a real lore hound. I don't know if you've heard this about me. Uh, so we love new people sending in video submissions. Thank you so much. Got to ask you folks, though, the more people that do it, you might have noticed your your video was cut down a little bit there. If you go over two minutes, old Maddie Al's going to snippy, snippy, snip some of it out. So do me a favor. Don't go longer than two minutes. Yeah. I'm going to hold you to Less it. is more, as they say. One minute is even better, but I understand yeah. it can be difficult to say all the things that you want to say in a minute. But. Yeah, says the guy. The guy's doing an over podcast over two hours. <laughs> I know, night. I know. Yeah. Says, says the guy sitting here podcasting at almost 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's fine. I'm having a good time. Um wow. I, I wow. do it on my third night in a wow. row, being up till two AM podcast. Wow, which basically tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um I do want to point out like Mario Brothers has come up in like half these answers, and yeah. while it's not a good movie, that does say something. The fact that it's on everyone's mind when this comes yeah, it's up. Scardus. Like, it's Scardus's children, Tony. Yeah. Thirty twenty ten talks a lot this week, um, Michael, about Tom Green's Freddy Got Finger. Ah yes. Which is not is not a good movie necessarily, but is an unforgettable movie you must see. I mean, it's it's deliberately bad, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. yes. So in, th- in that sense, it's different from the Mario Brothers movie. But I think the, the end the end of the day, we have made the statement on this a billion times. If they this movie was called Adventures in Underground Dino City, everybody nobody would stop talking about it. It had five sequels. Hmm. It's perfectly good for being that, but that they called it the Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and they, hey. they cast Mario as a 50 year old man. Yeah. It's just not fun. Well, it it, you, it I, didn't please Mario fans. I think a big part of the problem there from what I heard was that like, so it, it was like the creators of Max Headroom who were working on it and they had like a big tug of war with the producers over whether you don't this know the story be... of, of, of Max Headroom is a really dark backstory. Yeah. But but over whether this should be something dark and edgy or something family friendly, and they ended up splitting the difference and came out with this ridiculous monstrosity that makes no <laughs> goddamn sense and bears no resemblance to Mario Brothers whatsoever, other than one character has a mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a Welshman and, and a Hispanic guy are playing their famous Italian plumbers. Uh-huh. Uh, Ava, hey, uh, before before we uh, wrap this one up, do you guys want to really quickly play a really fun game? It's called. Which came first, the Mario Brothers movie or me? <laughs> oh shit! Oh dear, you're twenty. <laughs> you, uh, Mario Brothers movie. I was ninety three. So anyone else? 
Yeah, I know your age, Tony. You said it last That's, time. I guess you yeah, do, Mar- yeah. Mario movie. Mario Mar- Mar- Brothers movie hit theaters 18 days before I was born. Wow. Oh, I didn't know it was that close. Oh, so wow. I just, you, mm-hmm. I just remember you said you were 27. And I, I, yeah. I didn't necessarily wish you were dead. I just wish you were dying, <laughs> and I was taking your life essence out of you, and using it to, to buy myself uh, more time, fix my back, uh, and not require so much air conditioning. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, man, I'm as I as I near thirty. Uh, stuff's pa- falling apart over here too. So don't don't worry. It ain't all. I can, it ain't I can all see roses. him on video. He's being nice. I remember thinking He's, that when I was nearing thirty-two, Tony. <laughs> wait, wait till you get to forty, fucker. Yeah, I got. Uh, yeah, listen, like I said, I'm I'm here to Terrible. be I'm here to be the baby that is at least I make it a point to be aware and play of games before my time. <laughs> we like that. We like I just, that. If I can't get rid of this Dairy Queen addiction, I'm going to lose my foot in a couple of weeks. Ooh. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's where I'm at. I, Dairy Isn't Queen addiction. Diabetes joke. That? <laughs> Who has that? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's awful. I went there the other day because they have a great frosted animal cookie blizzard. Ooh, whoa, neat. Okay, that sounds like a good time. It was a good time. It was delicious. Right good lord. So, new question of the week. Uh, we've spent the first half of the show talking about our hometown. Uh, tell us something about yours. What is the weirdest, most idiosyncratic, or uh, the the thing that should put your hometown on the map? Um, you know, obviously, for me, San Francisco is not my first hometown. My first hometown is an area of Washington State called the Tri-Cities uh, that is basically like what Fallout looked like pre-war. Like, <laughs> when I grew up there, there was like a whole bunch of atomic imagery everywhere. There were like atoms in furniture store signs. And there Are you was... kidding? No. That's no. awesome. Uh, and, and I'm sure I've ta- talked about this before, but uh, no. I grew up near the, the Hanford Nuclear Reservation, which is where the plutonium for the first atomic bombs was manufactured. It is now a Superfund site, incredibly radioactive. Uh, but the high school mascot was a an atom, like a, a mushroom cloud. Like the team was called the Bombers. It still is called the Bombers. And oh my the, God, their mascot that's... is a mushroom cloud coming out of an R for Richland. You guys are some mushroom cloud dropping motherfuckers, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second my hand touched brains, I turned into super cloud TNT. I was watching a Brady Bunch rerun this weekend because we're trying not to stream as much entertainment and use our antenna, and I might as well be dead. But we, <laughs> I couldn't help but notice if you're, if someone's saying like, ah, that mushroom cloud is too problematic, just say it's Florence Henderson's hair on the second <laughs> season of the Brady Bunch. People <laughs> have said it's too problematic for decades. <laughs> we had now representatives from Japan poisoning. come over and beg the school to change it, and they refused. Are you kidding? No, okay. Because World War II is basically still going on over there. <laughs> no, it's all right, all right. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of something better, but um, Tell me about Tallahassee, man. Off, off the bat, um, the two biggest movies filmed here. Obviously, you've heard me talk about Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm. The and it's only the, which is still one of my go-to once a year movies. I love that movie a lot. And we can drive, you know, 30 minutes south and we can be on the set of the underwater sequences because it is an uh, underground spring. You know what a spring is? Mm-hmm. Uh, pure water from the center of the earth. It is very clear. You can see like 40 feet down through a glass bottom boat. Damn. And until a bunch of hippies, uh, uh, until a bunch, not hippies, a bunch of hicks and their fucking what do you call those things underground that hold their shit? 
not propane tanks, septic tanks. Oh. Their septic tanks started leaking into the groundwater. Oh, gross. And that's only finally now leaving. But um, a movie I think people may enjoy more. It's a really weird oddball. Uh, 1986's Something Wild from uh, Jonathan Demi. He, some for some reason, fell in love with my hometown of Tallahassee, Florida. My friend's dad is in a deleted scene from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, he, he, my, my, the same friend also did the art in the Manchurian Candidate because Jonathan Demi just like coming back here. Um, and, and, but if you've never seen something wild with Jeff Daniels, Melanie Griffith, and it's Ray Liotta's breakout performance. It's what, it's why Martin Scorsese cast him in Goodfellas. Um, have any of you seen this movie? No. Uh, it is, it is fantastic. It's Jeff Daniels, a button down. A uh, business guy with a bitch of a wife, and he hates her, and he meets this manic pixie dream girl, Melanie Griffith, who also is on the run from the mafia and dating uh, Ray Liotta, who, like, there's a bunch of, like, fun romantic scenes, and then Ray Liotta shows up and kicks the fucking shit out of uh, Jeff Daniels. And if you've seen the movie as many times as I have, they are shooting Philadelphia, or Tallahassee for Philadelphia. And I realized the other day, like, I was, <laughs> not the other day, but, like, almost a year ago, Sam and his, his son and I were masked up in an escape room. And I'm like, this is the restaurant scene in something wild. <laughs> it is, that's where we are. The restaurant went out of business and is now a fucking escape room. Uh, but it's a great movie. I know you probably live in a, every town has probably a cool movie story. So that's like, be like, I love ghost stories and movies that were shot in your hometown. Not trying to lead the question. Matt's from LA. His will be boring. <laughs> well, I'm from a city about an hour outside of L.A. that one of the things it's known for, back in the day, it was known as like a stop people would make, uh, movie stars would make when they were going from L.A. to Palm Springs. It's it's about, you know, at a midway point. And uh, so Riverside, California has like, there's this thing, the, the Mission Inn is like one of the most famous mission style buildings and one of the largest in California. Uh, but Riverside itself is the home of the... It's where the citrus industry started in California. Uh, it's like the home of naval oranges in the United States was in Riverside. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my city is weird in that it is like this. It's one of the biggest cities in California, meaning it's one of the biggest cities in the world. But most people mm. only really know about it because it's made fun of a lot in the OC or songs by Dr. Dre. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my... Duh, stay out of Riverside. Yeah, exactly. That is not a Dr. Dre impression. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, like, like stuff's been filmed at the Mission Inn and stuff. Like my, you know, my city's been featured and stuff. Oh, and it's also home. Here's a more interesting fact: it is home, the future home of the Chicano Art Museum, the Cheech Marin. Oh, the Cheech Marin. Marin. He bought a yeah, he bought like a whole museum and replaced it with like only Chicano art. Well, it's because That's he awesome. had like one of the largest Chicano art yeah. collections in the world, and so he no, just sorry, he bought a an, it was an old his... library, I think. And yeah, he didn't, he didn't yeah. buy up a museum and replace it with Chicano art. That sounds like a fucking Fox News <laughs> that sounds fairy bad, tale. Yeah, when you describe it that way. <laughs> No. <laughs> so that'll be cool, Love and Cheech that'll Marin. be in my my hometown, Riverside, California. Awesome. That's awesome. Riverside. Tony? Um, my, so my hometown, uh, place is called Bel Air, Maryland. Um, really <laughs> cool, like... It uh, sounds like a place Bugs Bunny would end up on action. <laughs> <laughs> Should have made a left-handed Albuquerque. <laughs> At Riverside. Um, so how many Fresh Princes uh, do you have? All, all of them. Oh, awesome. The entire uh, ruling class. Uh, it's it, you know, it's really cool kind of suburban town. It's I'm very much a you know living in New York, very much a city person through and through. I love it here, but like 
if if you had to send me back to the suburbs, it's where I'd go back to. It really is like just a a nice, pleasant town. the The main street looks like every backlot small town from every Warner Brothers movie. Nice. Like it, it just it looks like the main street of Gremlins on the main street. It's great. Um, awesome. The Armory also Hill Valley. Yes, yes. That is so um, the the Beller Armory is where all the cattle call castings for House of Cards and uh, Veep were happening. I want to say uh, some of the sound stages were also they might have been technically the next town over, but they're at least like right there in the area. Really? They were they were shooting that in all right. In some the... some some of them, yes. Huh. Um, some some interiors, yeah. Um, like basically everyone I went to film school with worked on Veep or House of Cards or both. Um, cause that was just the time I was doing it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a cool town and the birthplace of John Wilkes Booth. Hey! Oh, Famous yeah. actor John Wilkes Booth? <laughs> In- indeed. Of, of the Booth acting dynasty? <laughs> indeed. <laughs> it's, it's and nothing else? <laughs> and also figure skater, uh, Kimmy Meisner. But only one of those two are an assassin and I'll leave that up to you to figure out. I don't know. One of them is always within arm's reach of some pretty <laughs> sharp blades. Meisner does sound like a villain on the boondocks. Mm. But... <laughs> what do you mean you went down to Meisner's house? You know he's dangerous. Friends with Wunsler. Uh... <laughs> yes, it is I, Meisner. Hello. Oh, wow. We're hanging out with Meisner today. <laughs> you know, and then I realized... When you think about it, that's another thing. The next most repeated thing by Owen Wilson is is the whenever he's soliloquying, and, and you know. And then I thought about it for a second, and <laughs> I realized like he says that in every movie. He's in Kachow, you know, like Kachow. Like what if Kachow was in more than just cars? Like he used Kachow. <laughs> for a second, I realized Kachow. <laughs> I realize she really is in love with a dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I realize the pandemic it? is delaying that new Anderson film, and it looks really fun. French Express or whatever it's called. I realize the whole pass was the friends we made along the way the whole time, all along. The French Express. I know you said that as an Anderson fan, but that was a great slam on whatever his next movie is. <laughs> it, no, it's Express. called like the French Express or something. I don't remember. It was supposed to come out like last May or something. No, it like isn't. That. Yes, no, it uh, isn't. yes. No, it's how it's how it's it's how a newborn alien would describe a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> like, uh, excuse, oh, wow. okay, the the French, French Dispatch. Oh. Let me just make sure I get the oh, right name. Out oh wow, there. it's Midnight in Paris. Wow, you think I'll be in this one? Oh golly. <laughs> I thought about it, and I am spending the equal amount of time on Steam and the Epic Games Store. <laughs> Look for me in Loki, coming soon. After you're bored oh, yeah. with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'll be in Loki. Oh, wow, yeah. so you're like oh, wow. a god of deceit or something? You know, when's Ragnarok? I'm kidding, surprise me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. What's something unique or weird about your hometown? Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 415. Alternately, you can visit us on the official Laser Time community on Facebook or ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse, and we will read the best answers on next week's show. Anyway, that has been our show. Let's call it with some plugs. Tony, once again, tell people about Framework. Hey, yeah, um, Framework, it's a video essay channel on YouTube. Easiest way to get there is tinyurl.com slash frameworkyt. 
I do video game essays that I am uh, very proud of, and I'd love for you to check it out, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Covered a bunch of games, planning on covering a bunch more. Uh, my next one is out on Wednesday, uh, what month is it? April 21st. And, uh, it's, um, it's gonna be a really cool one. It's, it's an angle on a video that I googled and no one's done before. So, um, please do check it out. It's, I gotta say, as a content creator, it's very satisfying when you can do that, and it also means, hey, no one's looking for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that part of it too. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm, t- I'm timing it with some other release, so we'll see. But, um, yeah, check that out if you're not tired of hearing my voice, because I feel like Framework I'm has been great here. so far. I love Framework. Thank uh, you very much. I, I encourage everyone to subscribe, for real. Thank you. Um, yeah, if you're not tired of hearing my voice, because I feel like every time I'm here, it is the, it's a longer and longer <laughs> episode of EGA. It's but but thank you longer. for having me on, I guess. But yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, and personal Twitter's at ChainGunPope if you want to hit that up. Yeah, thank you. Chris? And, I don't know, listen to Laser Time at some point. <laughs> We're trying to figure out the lost, the, the, the logistics of an Oscar show. It's very hard. Life is terrible for everyone, but like, um, I want to do a, I want to do a bonus time at some point about being vaxxed and how to get Ooh. your vax. Um, because I am, I have completed my vax. Nice. And I, I, I it, not that there's like anything to learn from that, but it does feel like I've graduated something terrible and I can leave. Mm-hmm. CVS.com is the best thing that doesn't go down on a regular basis, but I've said that on other podcasts. No matter where you are, check that, and then check to the state to the right, left, north, or south of you, and check them, too. And uh, you should be able to get yours, because there's a red state out there who doesn't want their facts. Hopefully you don't live in one like I do. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels good to almost feel good again. I think I'm, I'm slightly under the side effects as, as, as the last two days, but I think I'm coming out of it. Yeah. Um, feeling very logy and achy and it's almost over. I got my second shot in about three weeks and I actually, mm. I had the antibodies, um, but you know, you ought to still get the vaccine anyway. You and know that? Do you, did, did you have it already? You can get an antibody test. Yeah. Um, I got one born with the antibodies. Well, no, it just means at some point I came in contact with it and just mate with this man, ladies. Mate with this man. (laughs) Uh, I mean, hey, go for it. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I personally didn't like it that Tony was—he was a product of immaculate conception and he was born with so many antibodies in his blood. I thought I thought that was weird. (laughs) Um, But no, I say that to say uh, supposedly. Um, because I already have them, it means I'm due for a worse time with the second dose because my body already Ooh. knows what to do and therefore will react more strongly. Mm. So Boy. we'll see. All right. Maddie C. Allen on Twitter is all I'm going to plug and, and on Twitch. And then, uh, I'm also going to plug framework. Uh, Tony's underselling it. If you want to see Tony do more characters like his, uh, his Owen Wilson there, <laughs> uh, he does characters as part of those videos too. And they're, they always make me laugh. So, uh, yeah, a lot of costume stuff as well. As opposed to, as opposed to my characters here. <laughs> here's, here's the secret. Here's the secret. They might make you laugh and that's great. They're also just there mechanically to break up each point on the outline so it doesn't get too belabored. <laughs> yeah. A lot of YouTubers don't realize. But also that. they are super fun to do. If you want to see a, a, an alcoholic sock puppet, um, watch <laughs> the, the episode on Super Mario RPG. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. As always, visit us online at VigiGameApocalypse.com, on Twitter at VGApocalypse, or me personally on Twitter at Wikiparaz, that's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.
guys can have a lot of fun with Mank. I mean, come on. You got Orson Welles. You just got to do the voice. Mm-hmm. That's an is easy that, one. Which one is that? Mank or I Orson Welles? Do, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an old-timey voice. 